What's going on, everybody? Live in studio for episode 119, presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. Check them out at CosmicDG.com. New year, same show. Hopefully some crazy, awesome things happen throughout the year. But we're super excited for the 2023 season and to talk everything disc golf. Episode 119. Thanks to uh, Cosmic Disc Golf there, CosmicDG.com. Check them out, Instagram. They're still they're still with us. Um, Nick. I was thinking you said, uh, you know, season 20 or 2023. I mean, we've actually been doing yeah. that the way the disc golf pro tour lines up now. Right. I mean, 22, yeah. 23. Yeah. I mean, we've been in the 22, 2023 season for a couple events so far. In fact, but, did you see the yeah. post? This is, let's just get right into it. Let's bring Evan in real quick. Uh, did you see the post that they did on the Disc Golf Pro Tour already? They're like, our points leaders. We're talking about the points leaders? <laughs> yeah, 2023 20, points leaders. And I'm like, yeah. are we for real? Yeah. Are we for real? So what do you think yeah. about them posting so early, Evan, on Two points like in. that? Um, yeah, what's wrong with it? We're in the season. It, it, it's the season, you know? It, it's been this way for a couple months now. Uh, it's exciting to have these wraparound events. It's the season, uh, and technically they are the points leader. But it just seems like, come on, let's get a, let's get into the first elite series, and then we can talk about that. But it well, is what I, it is. I mean, a huge story last year was when Luke Humphreys was leading after two events. Like, yeah, they were elite events; they're worth more. But we're two events in now, too. It's, it's the same deal. Mm-hmm. Luke Sampson's leading. It's really, really cool. Is it Sarah Holcomb? I believe for FPO. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, she's been leading the Pro Tour before, but uh, maybe not in the last year or two. Uh, but either way, it's it's still very very cool. I, it's a fun. Fun little fact. It's not telling of who's going to win at the end of the year. I'd be pretty surprised if either Luke Sampson or Sarah Hogan won, but it's fun. And that's all it is. Okay. Let's also get this out of the way. Simon Lazat is the most talked about disc golf right now in the world. And, and honestly, for good reason, it's been that way for a lot of years. People think they know everything. And that's, you know, one of my, my things. Like, I feel like I know everything. It's hey, I, I saw a post, yeah, Simon Lazat to Franklin Sports. I, I saw the post on Facebook, which means it must be true. Did Franklin leak that? Wow, I don't know. Someone leaked it, but I did see, I did see it on there, so it's true. gotta be true. True, um, yeah, full bag only throwing three discs next year. And if I, I mean, still's gonna pick yes, up, a I, it's scary to do this, but there's Simon Lazak phone call in my phone. I mean, I'm talking to him too, but does anybody have the guts to be like, Simon, like, just tell me straight yeah. up what's going on? Or are we all being polite and sitting back? Now, I asked, I asked Simon a big question today. Okay. And did you pop I'm gonna the say question? This, it has nothing to do with disc golf. <laughs> I was asking if he was caught up on the world darts championships that's okay. going on right now because we're very avid. He's a way more avid darter than I am. Dart darter. player, darter. I guess you call him darters. And you're uh, like, it's kind of a sick name. It, it, I, yeah. I have a quick question about darts. We're gonna. I want to dive into this. Dude, uh, darts is sick. I I actually really like darts. It's a ton of fun to play. But yeah, I I said I tweeted this uh, and I stand by it. Darts and both cornhole, super fun sports to play. Yeah, pros are so good and and are so dialed that mm-hmm. I think the comparison would be watching Paul Macbeth and Ricky Wysocki having a match play event on your shortest pitch and putt course. I mean, we can think Shrewsbury Middle Interesting. School right here. Yeah, like that's like Paul, like under two hundred feet every hole. Just who's going to mess up first? And, I, and maybe that's not the best yeah. analogy. Well, but I think close I think to that. that's just. I think that's just kind of the basicness of those two sports. Like you're in the same spot throughout the whole thing. 
you know, in disc golf, obviously we're moving around a lot and almost every other sport we're moving around a lot, but for the players to average what they average throughout the tournament and throughout the sets and the legs and stuff like that is wild. Like, um, one of the biggest, the biggest number you can get is 180 by hitting triple 20, triple 20, triple 20. I've, I've thrown hundreds, if not thousands of darts now just with, with buddies and just hanging out by myself. And I still have yet to hit a 180. Now, some of these players are hitting 180s like back to back. So I think, I don't know when it, when it comes down to it, watching how impressive it is when you know the rules of the game and just like how insane that actually is, is pretty wild. I, I would it, give it a little bit more than a so pitch and putt. Their fans are insane. Dude, I mean, the darts, the darts fans. I, yeah. Uh, I'm, darts I'm going fans, to a darts guys, tournament next year the chat in says Madison Square stop. Garden, I think. And it's sick. No, they the just chat says in, like, to Serbia stop darting random countries. Yeah. And they're like chanting yeah. all game. There's flags yeah. everywhere. It's like a packed arena. It's tons of music going on. Everyone's it, drinking beer. It's sick. It's I'm not going to lie. I would have fun there. Stop darting the question. Stuff. Stop darting the question. Is Simon leaving Discmania? And and he just released a video, or he's released a few <laughs> videos, but he released one last night uh, as he does his vlogs, and it's full Discmania, and there should be speculation around it's the new year. Everyone's looking at their calendar. They're trying to see uh, Reddit goes crazy looking and fine tooth comb mm-hmm. through his videos. And I think, I think there was, I'm not that into disc mania, like as like avid fan, but what's this is, was it a doomsday bird that was spotted in there? Evan, is that what we saw? <laughs> doomsday <laughs> bird. That's funny. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the doom bird four, I believe, which I think's an FD three. And just another one of his but it's, millions. It hasn't of, been released uh, yet, discs. but it's okay. It's interesting. And there's just anyways, guys, let me just kind of say this. There's been a lot of talk about this on other channels, on other podcasts, all over the Internet. We're not going to take more time to talk about it, but I will tell you this as sure as we do anything on the Nick and Matt show. When there is actual news one way or another, whether Simon's staying with Discmania or he's not. We're going to work to line them up. And I think, I think we can make it happen. So sit tight on that. That's a, that's a, that's one of the big, big, yeah. big, 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 big topics. Uh, so we will bring it to you if, and when something happens, Simon, is something happening? Just hit us up in the chat now. Call us, us right now. Yeah. Give me a quote, something I can say. <clears throat> All right. We've been away for a few weeks. Um, it was the Christmas season. Uh, mm-hmm. For us, and we also had the New Year's. And guys, if my voice sounds like I am under the weather, it's because uh, let me give you let me give you the short version. <laughs> Three days before Christmas, one of my sons was like, "I feel sick," and I'm like, "That's it, Christmas is over." <laughs> like there's there's no way around it, and it kind of turned into that. One son to the next son to the next son to the next son to me, mm-hmm. my wife a little bit. And it's just lingering uh, the the effects, but literally Christmas was, I'm sad to say it, it was pretty, pretty hard and miserable. And um, it's just, long story short, I haven't, I've been relaxing, but not because I wanted to that much. It's because I yeah. had to. Um, so we're back though. And man, there is going to be, guys, did going into this off season, right? What was the talk? Like literally going into it before it, it was like, this is going to be quiet. This is going to be like not much happening. Is this more than we've seen before? Is this more than you've expected? Is this going to be the new norm? Is it going to have to like plateau at some point in the future? Because people can't just keep, I don't want to say burning bridges, but like you can't just keep switching back and forth. There's only so many, or is this the new norm? 
Oh, Nick's audio uh, got frozen up a little bit there. If you can hear us, Nick, what do you think, Evan? Is this going to keep happening? Um, I I think with I'll say mid level players or mid to top level players, I think yeah we'll see it pretty often. I think every every season you got to be expecting this, especially at the rate that we've seen uh, new and growing manufacturers like Lone Star and and not a manufacturer but a a, a seller of discs uh, being Thought Space Athletics, who just uh, signed Mario Oliva today. I think players like that are going to be constantly um, picked up by those kinds of brands that are looking to grow. Um, now, if we're going to have big moves like Paul McBeth to Discraft, Ricky <laughs> Wysocki to Innova, and then DD, and now possibly Simon going somewhere or someone else uh, that big of a name. Uh, MVP? Is that, isn't that the uh, yeah. big one everyone's saying? Right? Like, I don't know if those will happen every year. Uh, I think those could slow down a little bit, but the mid-level players, I think, well, I think that'll be consistent. Tons of fun in the offseason um, and seeing where they go. Yeah, so I was, uh, I wish I could give credit. I should just shout out a lot of podcasts. It might have been Foundation. It might have been Brody on some channel, but, like, there's only so many times you're going to be able to, like, move. We've talked about moving is a good thing for your salary, um, I know that in the workplace outside of disc golf, uh, moving is a good way to increase your profits uh, for yourself. Um, it doesn't happen as much or at the same percentage when you stay. But if you do that five times, that's a lot. But if, if you do that five times, eventually it's going to get back to like, I don't know. But disc golf is continuing to grow. The PDGA just posted... Um, I wish I had the numbers here, but an ex excess of discs that were approved for play in this last year, this year, two that or last year, 2022. And it's just like, it's a little bit out of control. So I think there's going to be a place for a player to go always and whether or not they open themselves up to a totally, totally open bag. And I think that could be part of the future. In fact, let's take the conversation there a little bit. Why will a player, it would be for money. Like, why does a player, is that the only reason a player ties themselves to one brand? It will the future hold million dollar contracts for open bags. What do you think, Nick? Well, I definitely think potentially. Um, open bag is something that I'm surprised, excuse me. <clears throat> I'm surprised more players don't pursue the open bag lifestyle, but then I'm also not surprised because you haven't seen a ton of companies besides for Infinite really provide this open bag. Um, kind of contract for their players and to have such a big company like infinite and put a lot of money into their specific players. You don't see too, too many of them doing it yet. And I think just all of the, I don't know, so many companies have full on bags now, like there's very few companies that are still missing slots. And so, I mean, we don't have like the legacy discs really anymore to where you could throw mostly legacy, but then some other companies as well. ThoughtSpace Athletics started out as more of an open bag company, but over the last year or two, they've really made them have a full on bag. So I, I'm always curious why a lot more players don't go to an open bag aspect, but then at the same time, I'm kind of, it gets shut down when it comes to look, these bigger companies, the bigger manufacturers, that's where the real money is. That's where a lot of the money is. And you have the Innovas, the MVPs, the Discrafts, the, the, the Trilogy, stuff like that to where, you know, those companies are bringing in so much money they can actually afford to pay their players. Eventually, it would have to come down to a disc golf brand that is not a manufacturer of discs, I think, um, or at least in the normal yeah. traditional 
normal traditional sense of a sponsor where mm-hmm. let's say it's um some dry bag, right? Some dry bag out there is like, hey, million dollars a year. I mean, obviously we're a ways out from that happening, but like that's what's going to have mm-hmm. to happen. It'll have to be outside of manufacturing. And if it is inside manufacturing, that would be pretty cool if they're like, we just yeah. want you to wear our shirt and our hat and say thanks to us and when you win, but we don't care what you throw. Like so at that point, if you have if you have an outside company coming in and saying, "Hey, I'll give you a million dollars to wear my shirt." But then Discraft comes to you and says, "Hey, I'll give you an extra hundred thousand dollars to only throw our discs." Mm-hmm. Obviously, that player is still going to go over to a disc manufacturer. Mm-hmm. So, having an outside sponsorship come in would be incredible, and I think that's something that'll happen in the next five years, like a really big contract with an outside company. Mm-hmm. But the disc manufacturers really do have, you know, kind of the monopoly on the players right now because they're the ones making the most money in the sport of disc golf as it is currently. Um, I think that maybe, and I could be totally wrong about this, but kind of the same thing in golf where a lot of golf manufacturers, you know, the players play for them and then they have apparel sponsors outside of that. They might have, you know, other sponsors outside of that, but a large majority of them, if not all of them do have a club sponsorship, the same way that we have disc sponsorships. Darts players have dart sponsorships. They can only <laughs> use certain darts. Right. So, and there will always at be that the point. Most. Why? Yeah. There will always be the most for that, but yeah. I just think, and we're we're going to get to this after, we have got a great interview coming mm-hmm. up here, but uh, players like Thomas Gilbert and others, is it just an mm-hmm. interim thing then where they're like, uh, I need something while I try to figure out the rest of my future, so I'm just going to go to an open bag and like get by. Uh, we'll, we'll have to speculate and talk about yeah. that and, and, and break that down yeah. further. I don't, I don't know exactly how ThoughtSpace's contracts work, but ThoughtSpace does have a majority of the discs in their lineup, I think, made at this point. So I'm assuming they probably have to throw 70, 30, 80, 20. Yeah, certainly. And so you're... You know, I could see I could see Thomas bringing in a Halo Destroyer or a Halo Boss or something like that. Maybe you know, but other than that, he's yeah. got to throw all thought space at this point. I, I heard that it was a fifty fifty split. I don't okay. know exactly what that oh, entails. Okay. If it's total discs in your bag or total molds, it might, it might be a little bit, uh, yeah, you know, open ended there. What you can do as long yeah. as you're they're repping some. I mean, they have some good discs. Mm-hmm. Thought space. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I have a lot of friends sponsored by. I mean, Marky Chap just went over to Thought Space. My buddy, really good buddy Kyle Morardi, has been playing for them for a while now, and he slayed it this year in the Massachusetts scene. So, you know, however it works for a player, it works. You know, Maria Oliva just went over there. Thomas Gilbert just went over to there, and then you get companies like Lone Star where they don't have a full-on collection worth of discs. Like, I don't think they have every single mold out. They they could if someone's a they. I think Lone Star guy, let me know. Yeah, they pumped a exclusive. lot out in 2022. I think yeah. I think they have pretty much every hole covered. You know, you might yeah. you might be really picky and say, "Hey, I I really want a Halo Destroyer," mm-hmm. and they might not have something perfectly to match that. They might. Uh, yeah. I think if you're trying to get really really nitpicky like that, but they have in you know all stabilities, all all speeds. <laughs> so we do have a lot to get to, and I always talk about it that way. Um, but players of the year. A lot has been announced since we've been away. Um, who players who are leaving? The majors have been announced, including you know the World Championships, of course. And I, there's interesting things there. But we have in our green room currently. His name's Michael Bowie. <clears throat> if you're looking him up on PDGA, it's PDGA one two five eight three nine. It brings me back to uh, Brody Smith posting <laughs> the very first time covering his number. Like this is important. Oh, yeah. Not that important, <laughs> but this tells you who he is in the in the PDGA world. Um, here's a little bit about him. He's a CEO of Heatland Disc Golf. Uh, he's the tour manager 
of the Swedish Disc Golf Pro slash Amateur Tour. Swedish Disc Golf Pro Tour. Uh, the partnership manager of the PDGA Europe. Partnerships manager. Uh, partner of Clash Discs. And he's a course designer. And there's a lot more that we're going to talk about here. But uh, I want to be clear, everybody. This is six hours ahead of our time. It is currently 1.23 a.m. over there. Oh, I'm assuming it from Sweden. Let's bring him in. Michael Bowie, everybody. Yeah. Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Awesome. What's going on? Oh, hold on. We got There we go. Now we got you unmuted. How are you doing? And where, where are you at? You're in Sweden right now? Yeah, I'm in Sweden. Uh, I live in Karlstad. It's right between Stockholm and Gothenburg. Okay, I've gotcha. never had the privilege of being there. One day I would like to, so I'm just going to imagine where you said, and it sounds really nice. <laughs> so. All right. All right, so you are the tour manager of the Swedish Disc Golf Pro-Am Tour. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like over there? Yeah, basically the tour started last year, um, and and basically we, we had a national tour um, in Sweden that was kind of subpar when it came to quality and, uh, and pro pairs. So basically uh, what we did is that we copied the format of the DGPT and made a Swedish version of it. So that's where we're at. We also have the amateur version of the pro tour. Uh, so we just call it the SDGAT. Okay. Do you have amateur, I'm just, I, I'm going to ask a lot of questions, but do you have an amateur players who travel all around Sweden? Like how, I apologize because I've never been there. Like how, how far is it to drive from one point of Sweden all the way to the farthest side of Sweden? I mean, is, is it days or what is it? No, most people have around one to four hours between each event. So it's pretty close. I mean, the furthest event is up in the north. Uh, that one is like kind of off, but it's around um, 12 to 14 hours drive for most people. So that would be the furthest. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. so an amateur tour works That's a, a lot, lot of different. Bad drive. I was going to say an amateur <laughs> tour works a lot different in Sweden than in the U.S. Yeah, uh, that's the, awesome. The, the suites, the suites are crazy, and uh, there's a lot of people that does the entire amateur tour. Yeah, uh, that's that sounds tour. awesome. I mean, it sounds kind of like as far as uh, geography. Let's say I don't know New England. Let's say it'd be like a regional tour up here where I live. So that's pretty cool. So. That started last year. It's about to pick up again this year. When does the first event kick off? When does that start? Uh, in uh, April. April. So, okay. Yeah, in south, southern Sweden. Okay. Okay. And you're the partnerships manager of the PD, of PDGA Europe. Um, is that like we're talking like sponsorships for the events? That kind of partnerships, or just anybody that's helping collaboratively with the PDGA? Yeah, so we do have a different projects uh, for the PGA Europe. Um, th the main two projects that I work with is the PGA Eurotour and also uh, the new documentary, uh, The Magic of Disc Golf, which is quite an exciting uh, production that we're going to uh, make for Warner Bros. Discovery Plus. Wow. Okay, cool. so like this is not just local for sweden or europe this is actually discovery plus it will be a feature uh the first season which is already finished it's in production but it will air um quite soon uh it will also air on disc of network they have bought the uh, licensing for it uh but um for the first season we will have a pilot for the nordic countries for the um, discovery plus 
season two where we are still in in negotiations but we want to have it worldwide or at least in the nordic countries and in the us and we've got some numbers like uh, um warner bros just bought um discovery plus and they also have hbo max and they are talking about merging hbo max and discovery plus so we're talking about like 100 million subscriber base watching um potentially watching a disc of documentary so that's mm -hmm. kind of cool is it going to follow oh, amazing. is it going to follow similarly to um what was the disc golf networks on tour on tour is it like yeah, it's going to be documentary going, like that yeah it's going to be similar okay. uh, our approach is that we want to uh, since the target audience is going to be non disc golfers so we want it to be kind of like drive to survive like the the netflix yeah, series yeah. so anyone can get into the sport and, and um, this documentary, we're going to follow European players for season one uh, that is touring the PGA Euro Tour. And we're probably going to do the same thing uh, for season two. Uh, but we do know uh, there's a few um, American players doing a lot of touring in, in the PGA Euro Tour next year. Um, we know, for example, that Macbeth is doing a seven-week tour uh, in Europe next year, for example. Yeah, that is news. And I think we won't do that with you right now. But I know Evan and I the other day were discussing what does that mean? Like, obviously, for both you over there, PDGA Europe, but like, what does it mean for disc golf at large with Paul Macbeth making a choice to take seven weeks and play over there? So I'm sure you're really excited about that. What does that mean for you to see that Paul Macbeth is choosing that? I mean, it's it's big for the European scenes and the fans and uh, because in Sweden and in Europe in, in general, we don't get to see that many of the top pros in person as you do in the US. So it's a big privilege to have him here. True. Yeah, I bet you, uh, I'm trying to think out loud here, like Macbeth showing up here to Maple Hill, people obviously are very excited to see him, but they, they do get to see a lot over the years. I, I bet you Paul gets treated even more professionally <laughs> over in Europe. I bet it will happen. That, that's pretty cool. So. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm looking at all the things that are, you're doing here. You're doing a lot. You're a disc golf. Uh, is it like a, a pro shop type deal or a disc golf store? You have your own company called Heatland disc golf. Just tell us a little bit yeah. about that. When, when did that start and what are you doing with that? Um, yeah, basically we started two years ago hosting regional events and then we started the Swedish disc golf pro tour and we just, uh, evolved into doing everything disc golf so yeah we do have our have our own uh, web shop so it's uh, heatlanddiscgolf.com we uh, do uh, sales for all the brands in in sweden and we ship internationally as well so okay we host a lot of events course design and yeah basically everything in disc golf okay do you know if simon lazat's leaving Discmania? <laughs> <laughs> I do not know that. Okay. <laughs> if he said yes, and then he just told us, that would mic drop. We all just shut the show down. But um, okay. It's big news. I mean, obviously, Simon's a world, as is Paul McBeth and everyone else, but like world well-known name. Uh, Evan, I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit here. But we were talking about, um, I, I don't know if it's the geography, the stats about, you know, people in Sweden and, and the rest of Europe over there. Can you tell us, and I'll let Evan kind of chime in here, but. Can you tell us a little bit about, I don't know if the, not demographics, the right word here, but what does the Swedish disc golf scene look like compared to maybe your neighboring countries? Like, is there, are there big differences or just generally maybe some of the differences that stand out in your mind compared to the U S you know, like what, what are the differences for Sweden disc golf? Yeah. 
Um, so when it comes to Europe in large, uh, the Nordic countries are uh, the biggest when it comes to disc golf. So Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and Finland and Iceland, basically. Uh, uh, it is growing a lot um, more in, in other countries as well, but that's the major points. Um, when it comes to like the European pro scene, uh, it is also growing a lot. The pro purses are getting a lot bigger. Uh, and um, like if you compare um, like winning an E tier, like on the PGA Euro Tour, uh, people usually average around 1030 rated. Uh, and the pro purse is still kind of up there. Uh, next year, we're seeing pro purses on $50,000. Uh, <laughs> Nick, you need to move. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. I don't average ten thirty though at A tiers right, right now. Right, so, right. <laughs> yeah. So, and we're doing a lot of media um, things as well, such as uh, um, yeah, live network, and we we are in discussions with uh, Jeff Spring in in bringing Disc of Network to Europe, but also possibly um, doing something called the DGPT European Series. So that is also something up in discussion right now so it's a lot of exciting things happening in europe mm -hmm. absolutely and kind cool. of talking about you know the european open just being at you know the beast um nokia finland every single year we've seen the professionalism of that event just rise and rise and rise and we've also seen just how many spectators come out and watch the sport and how insanely well run that event is can you talk to us like why that event is so prestigious in a way compared to some of like the other events that we have here in the states i can't say for sure but i would just say that the staff and and the people behind the european open like this mania is uh they're just great at what they do so mm -hmm. and and also uh this uh, last year pcs sula open in norway uh, which was a silver series which will be an elite series this year mm -hmm. also had really high quality and i think it's just uh, uh, the drive and the love of the sport and people just wanting to deliver because uh, that's what it's all about. We just want to deliver good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to put Evan, Evan on the spot again a little bit. Did you find out anything or any questions you had specifically for Michael on uh, disc golf demographics, if you will? Yeah. So when we first saw really Europeans uh, winning, winning, uh, let's say us tour events and majors that were held over in Europe, uh, but above what the Eurotour has, uh, we, we really saw like Swedish players uh, being the big names like Jesper Lundmark, Brigitte Lagerholm and Marcus Kallström. Uh, but since then, it's been really dominated uh, by Finland and Estonia. So I was, I was just kind of curious how that transition happened from uh, Sweden kind of being the first to uh, kind of really show the European power. And now Finland and Estonia are kind of being the forefront. Uh, is has Sweden like fallen behind? Has the others just propelled so much further? Further, like how does that kind of comparison uh, between the Nordic countries look? Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, like uh, why the top is like it is today. Um, we do see that uh, when it comes to growth in PGA members, Sweden is catching up when it comes to growth rate. So, uh, and we know for sure that Finland has more uh, active players. So that probably contributes to it. But uh, Sweden is getting there for sure. Yeah, and then I'm all, I'm also curious uh, just how it uh, kind of feels with Latitude 64 being in Sweden, um, but they're all the way up in uh, Skelleftia or the Skelleftia area, uh, yeah. it, and they're called Latitude 64 for a reason for being on the uh, 64th uh, latitude. What? Uh, very, very far north. Um, uh, and Stockholm and the majority of the Swedish population is on the southern side of Sweden. Um, 
it is latitude 64 is still just very very like the most popular uh disc manufacturer down in sweden is it kind of uh dominated by a lot of different um manufacturers how does that kind of scene look i mean yeah most people in sweden likes to play uh, with swedish plastic since we do have um trilogy we have um Casta plus and we do also have some other uh manufacturers and um and yeah, um, that's it. Uh, one, uh, actually, one funny fact about uh, Latitude uh, actually is that they were recently, well, not recently, but last summer, they were acquired by a venture capitalist company. Huh. And and it was acquired by like insane amounts of money, like 500 million or something like that. Wow. So, wow. yeah. I did, I did not know the number. Uh, it is two billion uh, Norwegian crowns, so it's like two hundred million dollars. Wow, okay. that's really incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, so, like again, I would love to, absolutely love to come over and play in in Europe in general. But I think both Sweden, obviously Norway, Finland, all of these names that we hear in the U.S. Uh, very attractive. Um, and the fact that you have this, and because I'm an amateur, you have this amateur tour that you can pretty much travel, you know, one to five hours and play the whole tour. I mean, that's really awesome as well. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking through here. Is there anything else? You said you're a partner of Clash Discs. What does that mean, uh, a partner? Like a sponsor so, player uh, or you're actually part of Clash Discs? Uh, I'm actually, I have a partnership deal with Clash Discs. So I handle all... Uh, b2b sales uh, for clash disc uh, when it comes to sweden and uh, i'm also looking to branching out a little bit more uh, to other countries and states in in the us to to do a lot of sales for them so yeah that's basically what i do okay um and then finally course designing if how many courses have you had your hand in designing so I've designed two courses from the ground up and I've been in part of a few other courses, but it's mainly like maintenance because I'm a, I'm a president of one club and a board member of another club. So I do a lot of other stuff as well. Okay. Nice. <clears throat> awesome. Um, let's do this. We didn't ask you this, but let's ask you this right now. If you've seen the show before, you've probably seen Statter Fiction the game. Uh, do you mm -hmm. have any interest in joining us for a quick round of Statter Fiction? Sure, let's go. Okay, Ben, go to the uh, second page and yep, get, go I to the see. three. We should be good. All right, let's get right into it. Oh, we don't have any audio. So the do-do-do-do-do stat or fiction presented by Statmando. You guys can't hear the audio that I was hearing. Yeah, that's what I texted you, but I didn't realize it was just low. Oh, uh, oh it was just low? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, hold on. It's doing that thing again where it's doubling oh, up. Oh, crap, that's why. Hold on, mute it's it. Evan. Just mute it. Boom. No, just mute it. Oh, thank you, Ben. All right, here we go. It's good. We good? We're good. All right, thanks, Ben. You're, you're killing it over there. <laughs> killing uh, it. It's smoking. Yeah. All right, well, Michael and anyone new watching the show, uh, stat or fiction, I will give you a statement. You are going to tell me if you think it is a stat, as in it is true, or it is fiction, as in it is false and not true. Uh, and to get right into it, uh, let's go with the... Statmando MPO Player of the Year, Ricky Wysocki. In 2022, Ricky Wysocki started more majors and elite events than any previous year in his career. So in 2022, Ricky Wysocki started more majors and elite events than any previous year in his career. If you think that is that is true, you're going to say stat. But we're going to start off with that. Uh, 
I, I want a little clarity there. <clears throat> any time in his career, career being the clarity word I need, what do we mean by career? A- any any previous year. In any previous career. year ever that Ricky's played. Like if you think uh, that okay. 2022, he started more than yep. 2021 yep. or more than 2020 okay. and so on. Or if you think <laughs> that he started more in 2015, then it would be right. False. Okay. Or, or as many, because the right. the question is, he started more this year. Not so many questions many. to think through. Like, has he ever missed, like, a major? Not I'll about. say oh, stat. Okay. You'll say stat. I'm going to say stat as well. Michael, yeah, I think stat up. as well. There's there's more events uh, now Bingo. than before. Yeah, I There are so. more events, and it just seemed to me that Ricky was more motivated to, like, play every event. That's just, like, in my mindset, yeah. too. It just feels that way. So, All right. Uh this is a fiction, oh, no. actually. He started 17 uh, standard stroke play events this year. In 2021, he, sorry, uh, major standard major and elite. Uh, in 2021 and 2017, he started 18. So just a single more. Uh, so very, very close. There are more events this year, but there's also more. Pre-Lyme. I was just going to say. And, yeah. Yeah, pre-Lyme disease. Lime yeah. Uh, but last year as well. Okay. Uh, that's a tough one. That's a point for Evan. Yeah, that is. <laughs> we Mark need to put a little point ticker up there for him. <laughs> yeah. Stat or fiction number two, uh, Kristen Tatar's first career disc golf pro tour event was at the MVP open. Doesn't matter what year. Kristen Tatar's first career disc golf pro tour event was at the MVP open. Um, Starting with Matt. I'm going to say fiction. I have no idea. It's a 50-50, so I'm going to go with stat. <laughs> it is a 50-50. There you go. It's all about guessing. Yeah. I'll say fiction as well. Ooh, you guys are leaving the guest hanging. He's either taking the that lead was Nick's or falling fault. That's, behind. That's Nick's fault leaving him hanging. <laughs> this is a stat. Oh, Michael taking the lead. It. Uh, that was her uh, first Disc Golf Pro Tour event of her career. She did start Green Mountain Challenge the week after, or I'm going to assume the week after it was after, but in 2019. Uh, and then she didn't play again until 2021, of course, because uh, the thing we all know is the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> Man, and I live here, and I feel like I would have remembered that. Like, hey, welcome. But, like, yeah, she wasn't as big of a I, name I, either. I thought up until I talked to her earlier last year, I guess, that I thought she had never been to MVP or GMC. And then she's like, oh, no, I've been here before. And I'm like, well, I kind <laughs> yeah, of feel like a jerk. 2019 was when she came over yeah. for U.S. Women's. I, I don't know if she played USDGC. Throw Prank wasn't an event then. Yeah. Uh, but she came over for U.S. Women's. And that that's when she won her first uh, uh, major of her career back in 2019. Uh, it, it is kind of odd that her first disc golf pro tour event was an event that is generally after 2016 is generally uh the end of the season yeah uh you would think that it would be you know a beginning or a middle but uh nope it is Damn. true all right well point for michael he's he's not falling asleep on camera but i'm <laughs> sure i'm sure he's getting tired we're rolling into almost the 2 a.m hour so we're I'm glad he's winning let's keep going yeah uh and, and michael this one's going to you first so you can if you get it right you can clinch it up i mean of course nick and matt won't know until they guess but uh i'm gonna bring it to the ulti world and stat mando fandom survey i don't know if you guys saw this if you did it'll be a little bit of an advantage but um uh anyone who answered the survey could rate uh their fandom of a player between one and ten one through ten uh one two three four five six seven eight nine or ten um the highest percentage of 
tens for a player or the the players with the most percentage of tens if i'm making sense would be the really biggest fandom right the the most like they love this player they're a huge huge fan they're one of their favorite players yep. uh i'm gonna name three players if you think those three players are it then it is a stat so uh the players with the highest percentage of rated tens for fandom were kristen tatar simon lazat and nate sexton uh, that is the stat or fiction. If you think that is uh, those three were the top three, it is a stat. If you think someone else was in the top three and one of those players weren't, then it would be fiction. That kind of sounds confusing now that I'm saying I understand loud, it. But... Michael, do you understand it? I do. Okay. Uh, what do you think? I, I think it's uh, fiction. Oh, I got to play that stupid rule. I forget what we call it, but I got to say stat now. Rule. <laughs> he hasn't commented yeah. in a while. Steve, if you're out there, please comment. He left after we didn't change the rules. Yeah, right. <laughs> we named yeah. the rule after him. So you're going to say stat. Is that what you're saying? Nick? I said stat. What did Michael yeah, say I said again? stat. He said fiction. fiction. That's why Nick said he did stat, so he could get a point. Um, think about the all-time percentage. <clears throat> no one cares. So people are already starting the Nico clock on me, I know. But I'm just thinking who would be who would be a player... They're all screaming at me now, too. Who would be a player that would receive more than one of those three? Uh, yeah, it's it's more uh, percentage of tens. So it could be a player that has, you know, a bunch of tens a and a bunch of zeros. It's a stat. I, I mean, I, I guarantee there's some there's someone I'm going to go, oh, yeah, they yeah. received a lot I more tens. I think Nate Sexton is the very That's what I agree. But I'm going to say stat. You're going to say stat that that. That is the yeah, top. Yeah, those three. are the top three. But I agree. Okay, I think I it's Nate Sexton if it's not one of them. Okay. Well, Michael I, about to just clap. No, no, no. I said Nate Sexton was in the top three. No, so I know. But think, we're saying if yeah. he was not, like, if, is if he's okay. the is there somebody one. else? Okay. Gotcha. I see now. All right. Well, I will get to the answer, and it is a stat. All right. So it is all tied up. <laughs> That's a tough one as well. I know it was a little yeah. bit confusing to explain. This The Sexton one kind of made it like that much more believable that it could be a stat just because I mean, who who doesn't like Do you like have hate? any numbers real yeah. quick, Evan, on who was close to that? Yeah, so I'll I'll say I'll say three, four, okay. and five. Well, tied for four, actually. So Nate Sexton had 35% of uh, respondents give him a 10. As in they Love him. He's one of their favorite players. Uh, Matt Orham and Calvin Heimberg were tied Ooh. for fourth at 28%. How does anybody like Calvin? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my Poor goodness. Knew that was come up. I'm just messing. A lot of people do over a quarter of respondents. Wow. Uh, really, really adore Calvin. They were just so trying to make up for the, the hate that I bring on this show, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, let's go to a tiebreaker. And this one uh, will no longer be a, a stat or a fiction. It's just going to be an open answer. And whoever's closest to the number will take home the victory with three people going forward. It's going to be tough. Uh, <laughs> let's go. What percentage of tens did Kristen Tatar receive? Kristen Tatar was number one. She received the highest amount of tens from survey respondents. What oh, percentage baby. of survey I'm gonna write. We're writing it down in our heads, okay? Write we're going to write it down. I'm in on this. Our right. honor. Well, I got to go first anyway. So Don't change it. Don't change it. Okay. Uh, 84%. Now I just got to go higher than you or lower. Uh, let me think. I've. Wait, 84%, Nick, is what you said? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to remember. So I'm going to. I have a number. Do you have a number, Michael? Yeah. Okay. Then I my number is 72. What's yours, Michael? Six, 65. Mine's 64. Wow. 
Ooh, that's close. Well, Ben, you don't count. Okay. Uh, he doesn't count. But, but that's good. Someone in the 80s, someone in the 70s, someone in the 60s. That's helpful for you to remember me to remember because the answer is 59 percent so that goes to michael he wins it hey made it exciting let uh matt and nick back in to uh push a tiebreaker but takes it home way to go Uh, congratulations michael it's an advantage he lives in the future right now by six hours (laughs) somehow he just rewinded the video and he's like I know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) So, Michael, we loved having you on. Um, It sounds like really exciting things have already been happening, of course, with, you know, PDGA Europe as well as the Disc Golf Pro Tour Europe. Um, And it sounds like this year there's going to be some really neat things happening as well as Paul McBeth and others and the whole documentary. And you've got a lot going on over there. You sound really busy. Uh, Keep us updated. If anything exciting comes down the pipe for you and you want to let us know, we'll be glad to give an update. Uh, Is there anything that we missed talking about that you'd like to shout out? Uh, No, that's uh, about it. Uh, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, go get some sleep. We apologize for the late night show for you, but we really do appreciate it. And shout out to all players, anyone listening over there in Europe or Sweden specifically. Thank you very much. Uh, Give Michael your support. And we appreciate uh, the community that we have of disc golfers across the world. So thank you guys very much. Mm-hmm. Have a good evening, Michael. Thank you. Peace. All right. Good night. Bye. Good night. Okay, everybody. Michael, and I never asked how to pronounce it. I apologize, but buoy is how it, B-U-I. Yeah, it's buoy. Okay. Because you could be like buoy. Oh, I, I think it's buoy. <laughs> I, had a, I had a kid in my school named buoy, last name. So From Sweden? Place. From Leicester, <laughs> Leicester, Massachusetts. Massachusetts yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how do you spell Leicester? And how yeah. do you pronounce Leicester? L e i c e s t e e e r. What? No, you don't need E-E-R. No. Okay. So that was cool. Uh, that was nice catching up with him. Um, it, off-season interviews. They don't have to be, hey, you just won the Pro Tour. What? Like it, it was good, insightful information. Well, but, what, hold on. Was that our first European interview? Like someone live on that from time Europe? zone, um, on that European, zone. yes, we had Taiwan, European, right? yeah, we had Jackie Chan on Jackie Chan, excuse well, me. Well, he was Jackie in Chan California, <laughs> yeah, he was in oh, California, but, had, but, but yeah. his interpreter was in, but we had his interpreter on, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, or wherever that okay. was. Okay, so, that was one of my favorite interviews. I just, I don't know, yeah, it was well, fun. I know, dude, he came back to the states know. and competed again, I just thought it was like fun. recently in, in the fall, yeah. Really? Yeah. Just trying to get his feet Ooh. under him. I think it was eye opening, as you would know too, Nick. Like you actually hit the tour, and you're like, "Wow, okay." So yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's do a quick update. We've got man, there's so much that's happened. We've got a great live audience tonight. Not to downplay those of you who are listening the next day or the following day. We love you listening. Thank you very much. But like the live audience is active. Good amount of you in there. Would you hit the like button? Let us get some more. Um, traction here on the youtube algorithms uh world championships this is old news but it was announced and i want to take uh, bring a take on this that is again speculative towards the future but it is the ledgestone crew i'm assuming you know nate heinold and his whole crew that runs he's run d uh, glow he runs um well the tournament ledgestone which is mm-hmm. very large i think registration opened for it last night um, amateur and pro, and he has a whole company there. It's, it's, I'm sure, and I'm speculating here, I'm sure he's doing very well with that company. Seems like a great business guy. You, you like him or you don't. Um, 
and I like him, <laughs> but he he signs up to run massive amount of tournaments and large tournaments. He did Junior Worlds last year, Master Worlds, alongside of, like I said, Ledgestone, plus mm -hmm. Deeglow and everything else. He now is going to run the World Championships, Nick, down in your neck of the woods right now, Virginia, and he's bringing yeah. the Ledgestone crew to do it. Right over there. <laughs> right, yeah. right out the window. Um, no, not out the way. It's <laughs> eight minute glide. drive down the Let's road. Go. So I guess here's what here's what I'm bringing with that. It's it's I've always thought a professional tournament crew would be a great opportunity for the sport. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, Virginia may be able to pull off uh, a world championships, but if you have a legitimate crew who has done this so many times. They've already thought through all the ins and outs of what's needed. Mm. Now they just have to ask the questions to people in Virginia and say, hey, do you have this? Do we not? How do we set it up? Yeah. They're the right people is my point. And I think this is what mm -hmm. the, the PDGA needs is more of these, I'll say businesses. Maybe we need another one or two yeah. that can run these massive events and that's their job. And I don't care how much money they make off of it mm -hmm. if it's a good successful mm -hmm. event. So what do you guys think? Is this the future? Like uh, professional TD companies? Having having a team like that, I think is huge. I think that's why we've seen a ton of success at DDO over the years. Is they have a huge team helping them out with you know the manufacturer right there. Um, Nate Heino with Ledgestone, his team have always done such an incredible job. I've enjoyed going to Ledgestone the years that I have, and then watching it every single year. It just looks like he does a lot for the sport um, when it comes to his tournaments, and now running Deglow as well. Deglow was phenomenal last year when I went out and played it. I think having a group of people like this i'll say this without heinold's team it wouldn't be happening here in lynchburg virginia and that's just because like we we have players who can run tournaments and we have a crew here but when it comes to like the actual ins and outs of solidifying a world's bid getting everything going through the right channels that it has to go through like that's something that none of us here can do now virginia finally got their foot in the door with hold, holding the silver series or silver event at lake marshall at the end of last year one of the wraparound events which is great it seemed like it was run very well i had a blast doing it it's an incredible course as well um but when it comes to nate heidel and his team that was really the big pivotal point in actually solidifying for lynchburg virginia into having the uh 2024 worlds yeah pdga looks at it and goes Okay, we've worked with you before. We enjoyed it. There was the easiest worlds we've ever run, or at the very least, we didn't have any major issues where we were concerned. Um, so they just really needed to verify that the courses were available or that they wanted it to go there. And it's, mm -hmm. yeah, easy. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, I, I think it's a home run. I mean, like you guys have said, <laughs> Nate and his team are are, are very... Uh, uh, used to this i don't know i'm falling on my words right here but they, they they've they've done this before with the two elite events that they do uh per each year nate heinel was the td for 2019 worlds i'm i'm sure it was the you know same ledgestone team although it was probably a little bit smaller back then uh same ledgestone team that ran that world so it's his second time at least doing this uh at the major worlds level uh he was ready to do a a, a champions cup too it was ready to go to mm -hmm. deglo and he was going to run it but then they decided to keep it at wr jackson which i'm sure uh we all love i mean i especially do but um nate Howell can and his team can run this and 
I think it's a great point that Nick, you said that Virginia wouldn't be able to run it on their own. Uh, mm-hmm. cause it, it's hard to run worlds. And if you're just running, you know, you could run the best B tiers you ever have, but when you get up to worlds, it's a whole different game. Same jumping up to any elite series or any other major experience uh, matters. Absolutely. Yeah. And well, I mean, we saw that with 2021 worlds where it went to, uh, the Utah crew who had an elite event a couple of years, but there was just a couple of things that, you know, weren't, uh, let's say totally managed correctly. And it kind of had some late uh, last minute uh, changes and fixes and whatnot. And there's all kind of controversy around it. But when you have a crew that's run, you know, getting on double digits of elite events, uh, they're going to have a lot more of those fleshed out. And even though it's new courses, it's new area, you know that the team's going to know what to do. And that, that's what we want. As far as, you know, businesses getting in, I think that's the same thing, too. We want established businesses who know what they're doing, who can give the best product because we want disc golf to grow. And it's going to grow the best when we have polished products. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the biggest things is a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are upset that one world isn't going overseas. And I think that's something that is going to happen within the next three to five years. I definitely think having an overseas world championship Mm. is going to happen. Um, How the full on bidding process works of why one area got it versus why an area did not get it. I'm not a hundred percent sure of, but one of the biggest things that I did see out of a lot of the comments was, you know, Lynchburg, Virginia isn't super well known in the disc golf world yet. Like not a lot of people, you know, across the country have played new London tech park, um, which is one of the best wooded slash somewhat open course that I've ever played. Um, And then the other course that's going to be set up for it. Now, a lot of people are like, Oh, why isn't it held in Florida or Texas or, you know, Oregon or something like that. None of those places put in a bid for worlds because of how much of a pain in the ass it is to actually run worlds and like how <laughs> involved know. you have to be with everything and anything that actually comes into hosting world championships. The amenities have to be incredible. The team running it has to be incredible. I mean, I, I've been to, let's see, 2018 was my first worlds. I did 18, 19, 21 and I plan on doing 2022. So going into my fourth worlds, 18 was in Vermont, which I, I could never say anything bad about there. I did not play 19. Excuse me. I watched 19, but it was the Ledgestone crew that ran it. 2021. We had OB lines painted middle of the tournament, like something that should never happen. And I'm not going to get into that, but just a huge debacle when it came to that. Right. But then having a legitimate team come out who has helped run worlds before who runs multiple tournaments every single year, someone who's also very heavily involved with the PDGA in general, um, being able to kind of run that worlds and go to a different place. Who knows? Maybe in 2025 worlds is ran in North Dakota, but it's Nate's team running it in North Dakota. You know what I mean? Like having that consistency, I think is what's huge. Having consistency in almost anything is absolutely like just such a good thing to have because you see the improvements that you need to make from last year and then you make it going, you know, you make it better going into the next year. And I think we've seen that with tournaments and how they make improvements to the course. They make improvements to the staff. They make improvements to how things are played out that week. They make improvements to all the amenities that are offered at these events, but having the consistency of having, a team go out there and actually run it. It's almost like a professional tournament running team. Um, I think it's huge just for the yeah. sport in general. And obviously I'm pumped. This will be the closest world championships that I'll probably ever play being 10 minutes down the road, one way, 10 minutes down the road, the other way. So I'll, I'll yeah. just wrap up my thoughts on 
I don't know. You, you, everyone said a few things there, and I'm seeing the chat go like, "How is it even a world if it's not in a different country, right? Or if it's always in the U.S.?" Is how they put it. And it, it has been before. Yeah, but so I was just gonna, okay. Thanks. Outside the U.S. Yeah, thanks for that, Evan. But I just want to say also, Once. just like the idea thinking behind that, I actually get it because I think it'd be very cool, yeah. and I think important at some point to have it outside of the U.S. But that's not required for something to be a world championships. I mean. It's required, I would say, that they're invited, and that's really it. Now, that's that's the basics. But, like, do I want it? Yes. Do I think it'll be good? Yes. But it doesn't have to be. I do love the fact that a pro tournament team's running it. I think it would be harder for them to go somewhere else in the world to do that. But there's other companies yeah. out there that could do that. Go back to UC and whoever that have run these major events. They can handle it just fine. Mm -hmm. we, were t we talked about that. This yeah. After the U uh, European Open, we talked about that. Like, is UC going to get worlds out there? That'd be awesome. So, yeah. so I mean, uh, you can kind of look at it like the, you know, the U.S. has ran... A very, very large majority of the worlds that have ever been played in disc golf. Now, we also run the United States Disc Golf Championships, which a ton of the European players have started traveling over to also play in that because they have reserve spots at their events. Now, in basketball, there's the NBA, which is here, you know, in the North America region. Take the Euro League basketball, where they still have championships and everything like that. It's their own separate league. What if PDGA Europe did something in regards to that? Like, what if PDGA Europe ran a world championship or not called the world championships, I would say, but like something of that caliber in Europe? I mean, are they ready for it? Would it get the, you know, publicity that it needed to? Would it get the American players going over there to play that event? I mean, how does it work out? The world championships happening once per year. You know, obviously we want it to happen. Like I would love to see it happen in Finland, but at the same time, what other course are we using in Finland? And, you know, will it be ran as well as the European open stuff like that? Like you just got I would me like thinking. to say, yes. Well, can, can, can we just take worlds? To, okay. People don't know. The other course me. it would be at in Finland would be Tampere. Cause like Nokia is right outside Tampere. And if you watch Tampere, is Fan. one of the sickest disc golf courses in the world. I but agree. I also heard that you wouldn't be able to fit more than 15 spectators on it. <laughs> yeah, but then you have Nokia. It's the like, same with New London Tech. Yeah. It's the same yeah. deal. Is you're going to have one that's a sick course. Yeah, the fans mm -hmm. are going to be a little bit snug. Is what it is. Hopefully you can do like a 1 in 18 kind of thing where to get a thousand Give us really good coverage. Have the big one for the final round, which will be the Beast, which will be the golf course that Lynchburg's at. It's going to be Emporia Country Club. It's going to be Fox Run at GMC. You're not fitting thousands mm -hmm. of fans at Brewster Ridge. It's the same thing anywhere. Okay. I, I really, I, I just, a couple quick thoughts. I, I really think that the courses and the, um, the running of the tournament would be fantastic over in there. They've proven that they can run a great event. They can get the fans out. They can put mm -hmm. on a show. I think the big thing holding back worlds going to Europe uh, is the players haven't proved the the best players who are in North America haven't proved that as a whole they want to travel over there. Yeah, Paul McBeth's been doing it for years. Eagle Man, Ricky Wysocki, Paige Pierce, they've all gone over there. Uh, but you don't have the whole whole quality of tour. I mean, we saw yeah. two major winners this year in MPO decline to go to Europe. Chris Dickerson won Champions Cup. Gannon Burr won USDGC. Neither of them went over to the European Open. They didn't. They didn't want to travel to Europe. Now. 
hopefully they would do it if Worlds was there, but they didn't. The field was really slim. We saw Kevin Jones come in third, and he was behind by what, like 24-something strokes. strokes? I don't even yeah. remember what it was, but it was huge. It was a two-person race, which was a fantastic event. But if that was Worlds, it would have been much different, where we had Aaron Gossage go toe-to-toe with Paul McBeth. And I'm almost positive Aaron Gossage didn't go to European Open. And on the mm-hmm. FPO side, we had like eight quality players in a time where we are past having a fields of eight. We have... 20 to 30 fantastic women playing every single uh, elite series and major event. And if we only see about eight over in Europe, uh, that's it's we can do better than that. And I think we're close. We're getting there. I think it's under five years. I think a world's would get people to go over there more than European open. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the night I, I, I make up a number here, like 80 to 90 percent of world's possible winning players from Europe which is, of course, Kristen Tatar and like Evelina Salen and Henna Blomers. Uh, but I'm talking more like Seppo Payu, Vino Makala, um, Lori Letton and Nicholas Antilla. Uh, they all prove that they could potentially win, not that I would necessarily pick them. Uh, mm-hmm. They're willing to come over to the United States and play in the U.S. But if we're talking about all the possibilities to win, like I'm going to say Aaron Gossage, but then especially Chris Dickerson and Gannon Burr, uh, if they're not willing to go over to Europe and Valerie Mendohondo do, she won two events this year and she didn't go over yeah. to European open. If they're not willing to go over there, then it kind of slims down the PDGA's biggest event of the year, which is pro worlds. Uh, and the PDGA wants the biggest event of the year to be their best event. Uh, and if it is limited like the European open is, which is still a great event, but is limited uh, to being one of the weakest fields on tour all year, I think it doesn't look the best. We're close. I want it to happen. I yeah. don't think 2024 is the time yet. Okay. From, from from what I've seen, Dickerson and Gannon, I know Dickerson at least, someone said Gannon in the chat as well, but Dickerson is traveling out to Europe for next year. He did kind of release his schedule, I think yesterday or today, um, talking about how he is going to do the European trip, which I'm really excited to see. I think Chris would do phenomenal out there. Um, and then as Europe is gaining more traction with bigger tournaments, um, giving players a reason to spend more time out there. I mean, dude, it's expensive. I've looked into it of trying to go out for the European open kind of for fun. And it's multiple thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to get out there, spend the week there, spend potentially two weeks there, then to go back. And especially as travel restrictions have lightened up over the last year. Um, but before it's just, you know, and I'm an average player. I'm not saying I'm going to go over there and win the European Open. I'm very average. Like that would be more of a destination spot kind of tournament for me to go to. But for a lot of players who do this as a full time career, who aren't making a ton of money doing it right now, but just do it because they can at the moment, going out there and spending all that money to go to the World Championships and then potentially not even cashing at the World Championships, all of a sudden you're out three to five grand potentially, which a lot of players, you know, a decent amount of players can't afford to go do that. So, I don't know. I would love to see it go overseas. I don't care if it's or you know Finland or whatever. Just happening overseas and having a World Championships, I think it's something that's on radar for the next three to five years. When it happens, who knows? So I feel like I thought this grand thing up while you guys were talking, and it's probably really this was another one, one of these ideas that sounds good, but it's bad idea. I remember that segment. <laughs> make worlds every four years, like the World Cup or the Olympics or something. Like make it massive. And replace it with some other major in the off years. And when the four-year rolls around, put the Worlds back in. It would make it bigger, better, incredible, have some special things that happen only at Worlds. It would change it up drastically from what we have now. But 
the future of disc golf may look like that. So, all right. We talked about that for quite a while. Let's bring things back to kind of a, a fun, uh, I don't want to use the word lighthearted, but you guys have heard of this AI system oh, called yeah. Chat GPT. <clears throat> it's not DGPT. It's <laughs> Chat GPT. It's an AI. It's like a conversation artificial intelligence. So I just thought for fun, we'll try it out. It's been pretty popular. I'm going to write in here right now. Um, write a poem. It, it, by the way, this does not Google. This will actually do stuff for you. Uh, like I could be like, hey, write a poem about Nick Carl playing disc golf. Enter. You want me to bring it up? No, no, I'm going to read it. Here we go. It's it's real time. Like it's chatting with me He's right now. He's trash, kid. Nick Carl. Here. I'm going to read this the best way I can. It's actually a four like paragraph poem. Here we go. <laughs> He's trash. Oh <laughs> okay, no. Nick Carl throws his disc with precision and grace. <laughs> his aim is true. His <laughs> you guys can't see Nick on screen. <laughs> Nick on screen is like <laughs> can't handle it. Here we go. His aim is true. His form a work of art. He surveys the course, selects his chosen space, then hurls the disc with all his skill and heart. The disc soars through the air, a blur of motion. It twists and turns, a dancing, graceful thing. It flies so far it seems to lose emotion. But Nick is there, his aim on point, his game on wing. He follows through his movements smooth and flowing. A natural athlete, his love for the game clear. He smiles and laughs, a joy in his knowing. That in this sport, he has no equal here. What? <laughs> so, wa <laughs> so, so watch him play. This man named Nick Carl, a disc golf master with a love for the game. He'll leave you in awe with each and every throw. A true champion in this sport he knows so well. There you go. That's, can, that was beautiful. Can you copy and paste that, was, that and send it to me? That's great. <laughs> What if I said, what if I said, this is chat GPT. What if I said like, write me a sad story about Nick Carl and disc golf. Oh, Where was this when I was in high school English? Yeah, like, you can I have it right. So That's what a ton of people are doing now. <clears throat> okay, God, here we go. What a time. I said, write a story. Jealous. I don't know how long this will be. It's writing it right now. So here we go. It's literally writing as I read. Nick Carl had always been passionate about disc golf. He lived and breathed the sport, spending every spare moment practicing his throw and perfecting his technique. Am I dead? Well, I said write a sad story. <laughs> he was, so I don't know where it's going. He was a natural athlete with a gift for the game that set him apart from the rest. But despite his talent and dedication, <laughs> Nick could never quite break through to the top. No. He came. Bro, hold on. You said write a sad story, not write a true story. No. Come on. What, what, is what this if the doing? true story is sad? Okay. Though? <laughs> Good point. We got to keep going. He came close, finishing in the top 10 of nearly every tournament he entered. What? But he could never quite claim the ultimate prize. As the years went by, Nick began to wonder if he would ever reach the pinnacle of the sport. <laughs> he poured his heart and soul into his training, but no matter how hard he tried, he always seemed to come up just short. One day, <laughs> after yet another disappointment, 
Yet another Nick disappointment. Made, Nick made the difficult decision to hang up his discs and retire from the game. No. It was a sad <laughs> day for the disc golf community yeah. as they said goodbye to one of the most talented and dedicated <laughs> players they had ever known. But he, this is the last line. But even as he walked away from the sport he loved, Nick knew that he had given it his all, and though he may have never reached the top, he could hold his head high knowing he had given it his best shot. Oh, there we guys. go. There we go. Dude, it That's literally like I'm going to need you to save that so when I actually do retire from the sport, we can, uh, <laughs> we can say that. Um, what if we said, like, write a haiku about disc golf? A haiku. I remember it back from... Uh, can you ask it yes. where Simon Lazada is signing in 2023? Oh, yeah. ask it. I'm going to. Oh. All right. Um, Not to jump the gun if you already had that plan. Whoops. No, it's already in here. You knew it. So here we go. <gasps> is Simon Lazat leaving disc manufacturer disc mania is how I wrote you it. Might, you might have told me that. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> nope. thought of that right now. It responded. I am sorry, but I do not have any information about Simon Lazat's current employment status or any changes to his professional relationships. Ooh, My training data only goes up until 2021. And I am not able to browse the mm. internet or access any new information. So, okay, that's what it tells yeah, you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yep. Okay, I've seen iRobot. <clears throat> I know where this is going. Write a haiku about disc golf. Disc flying through the air. Mm. Nature's course, my only foe. <laughs> Peace and serenity. Wow, dude, that's a Ooh, like wow. you could sell that, dude. Disc flying through the air, that's cool. And then it goes, nature's course. My only foe. Dude, that's a shirt. Nature's course, my only foe. <laughs> like, that's cool. Um, anything else? We could ask it a question and ask it to do something for us. Like, plan out something for me. I don't uh, know. Plan out. Wait, uh, can you ask it a question? Like, yeah. who, who will win the next disc golf matchup? Evan or Ben? Um, me last time, chat, by the way. It's probably going to say it doesn't know who you are, but let's ask. Evan Kearns or Ben? Kenny, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but I don't have enough information yeah. to accurately predict <sighs> the outcome of that matchup. I've been around since before 2021, though. Yeah, it says it says there are many factors that can influence the outcome of a sporting event. And without knowing more about the player's skill levels, current form or other relevant details, it's not possible to accurately predict this winner. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. All right, let's ask That's who the is the best disc golfer <laughs> in the world? <clears throat> It says it is difficult to determine oh, as this is a subjective judgment that can depend on a variety of factors. Some of the top professional disc golfers in the world include Paul Macbeth, Ricky Wysocki. <laughs> this is awesome. And Nate Sexton. But there are well, many guys. other talented players who could also be considered amongst the best in the world. It, and, you know, it's a, a, an individual opinion to decide who is the best. Wait, oh, ask it. Write us a... Uh, uh segment like a game segment we could do on our podcast Ooh, disc golf trivia i'm gonna add, okay here's here's one more because we said best disc golfer let's go to best fpo because it specifically just said only mpo there in disc golf fpo stands for female professional open it refers to the division for females some of the top female professionals in the world include Paige pierce sarah hokum and val jenkins Ooh, let's go. PDGA player of the nice. year, current points leader, and uh, lead announcer. These players have consistently performed oh, at a high level. Player of the something that we got to talk about, too. Okay, hold on. Write me a disc golf trivia question. If, if this works, Evan, you guys are out. 
Evan's fired. <laughs> Thank goodness. I need some time off. <laughs> you, you just start you using. You just had two weeks. <laughs> Dang it, that's true. You just yeah. use this. You just use this for like sadder yeah. fiction going forward. Okay. Yeah. Here it goes. This is for real. It asked me a question. That, that. What is the maximum number of throws a player is allowed in a single hole? According to official PDGA rules. What? That's a thing? Like mini golf? <laughs> well, it's over 12. Uh, I didn't know that. Is there a maximum there is no I'm gonna number? Say, I'm going to say 25 if there's not. I'm going to say. I'll say 15. Or, or it's a trick question. It's infinite right. and they don't have There is none. Yeah, there is none. But I'm going to say there the is answer? no limit, right? <laughs> Let's oh, see. okay. Well, yeah, no, I said there is. Then. Let me say. And guess what it said? That is oh. correct. And then it goes to list the PDGAs. Um, there's no maximum limit on the number of throws. Players are allowed to throw their disc as many times as they need. Um, that's number, a bad trivia question. Yeah, that's that's kind of like does. a stat or fiction sometimes. Oh, that's, like, that's an insult. Oh, easy there. Oh, what do you got to say, Kearns? <laughs> no, you're wrong, computer. No. I own you. Okay, one more question. One more. No. Just, just kidding, computers, you're amazing. Does anybody in this <laughs> chat have an idea for something I can ask it or have it do for us? What is the maximum distance? What? This is a this, this is a little ripoff. What is the maximum distance a disc golf disc is allowed to be thrown according to the oh, rules? Could, what? Go as far as possible. There is no distance. Is no you distance can throw around there six times if you right? want. Um, I love how you guys are giving the AI a voice. All right, that's so that's, that's too bad. Um, oh, okay, I'll do one more because I saw the it's chat. Like a say it. guy. Write a poem about barbecue and disc golf. Here we go. That's 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 there a good go. one. That's by our friend uh, BBQ it barbecue it guy on YouTube. Check him mm. out. He's got like eight times more subscribers than us, and he makes good barbecue. Hey. I miss his wings. I am his young padwan for barbecue. Okay, write me a short poem about disc golf and barbecue. Um, yeah, we'll just leave it simple like that. Disc golf and barbecue. A perfect summer day. Throwing discs, grilling meat. What more could one want, I'd say? The sizzle of the grill, the thud of plastic on the ground. Laughter, <laughs> <laughs> cheers, <laughs> goodwill. This is where I'm found. So come and join the fun. Grab a disc, some food, and brew. We'll play till the day is done and start anew. <laughs> Let's go. go. All right. My nice. favorite disc golf sayings now are <laughs> the next player on the slab and the thud of plastic on the ground. <laughs> I, love, I love the thud of plastic on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I love when I don't make it in the basket. Oh, that <laughs> is me. Awesome. Ah, oh, there's probably so many more things we could ask it on here, but I, I think having it write stuff is pretty cool. Like write me a story or whatever. That's pretty neat. Can, wait, wait, oh, oh, you should ask, give me a disc golf catchphrase that, oh, or something like that. Ooh. Like for a brand you get brand, a catchphrase tattooed That's a on good your body. Idea. Um, can you for like, say podcast, just I don't, for come up. Match, I don't know. Can you come up with a disc golf? Yeah, let's try this catch phrase. Um, that I can use to get famous. <clears throat> Here are a few potential disc golf catchphrases that you can use to get famous. Ace or bust. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> In the zone. All right. Disc golf is life. Fling it like you mean it. <laughs> yes. These are bad. 
Drive for show, putt for dough. Okay. <clears throat> it says this catchphrase is a play on popular golf saying, but you could use it also in disc golf. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my god. It's like goodness. human. Oh yeah, it, it, I'm not even reading all the details of it. It's like literally having conversation. Yeah, so you. yeah, it's like telling you why it said these things. Yeah. Disc golf is life. This catchphrase could be used to express your love and commitment to the sport. Mm. Ace or bust. This catchphrase could be used to express your determination to throw a hole in one or to acknowledge that you're willing to take risks in order to achieve success on the course. Um, <laughs> let me think. There's got to be one more thing before we close this out. It should be... Um, help me convince uh, Discraft that I should be their number one sponsored player. <laughs> Nick, this is for Nick. <clears throat> if you are trying to convince Discraft to sponsor you as their number one player, there's a few key points you could focus on. Your track record. Be sure to highlight your accomplishments in the sport of disc golf, including tournament wins, top finishes, notable achievements. This will help demonstrate your skill and dedication to the sport. Also, let them know about your passion for the game. Show them that you are truly passionate about disc golf and you have a deep love for the sport. Explain how disc golf has positively impacted your life and how you hope to help grow the sport. Your brand alignment. Explain how your values and brand align with those of Discraft. Show that you're a good fit for the company. Your social media following. If you have a strong social media presence, be sure to highlight this well. A large following can help increase visibility mm -hmm. and promote the Discraft brand. And then finally, your potential as a player. Be sure to emphasize your potential as a player. Explain how you are committed to continually improving your game and how you hope to achieve even greater success in the future. There you go. If You can get sponsorship advice right here. Chat GPT through the Nick and Matt show. There you go. All right. <clears throat> hopefully that was uh, somewhat lighthearted. I had some good laughs there. Uh, so we've heard a lot of players moving. Okay. We kind of aren't going to be speculating a lot about it, but it is interesting to see longtime players like Lisa Fakus. Um, True. Anthony Barella. Those are both two Innova moves, but like leaving mm -hmm. Innova, but Innova just announced their lineup. They have a lot of still top 10 players. They aren't concerned. Uh, I'm sure. Um, Lone Star, worth bringing up a little bit here. Mm -hmm. This is one of their, we'll call this their breakout season, if you will, 2023. 2022 people knew them, yes. But 2023, with all the players that they've lined up to this point, and then they just alluded to the fact that they have another player they haven't announced yet. They posted on their social that said, look, they threw 500 and whatever, 15 feet. We haven't announced them yet. Who do you think it is? Barella. <clears throat> just kidding. I'm not here to really speculate on who it is, but more We're like more looking at Lone Star specifically. I've seen people say reminiscent in some ways of like Prodigy back in the day when Prodigy came out. Now Prodigy came out and said announcement. We're Prodigy. Here's our huge team. Yeah. Lone Star is kind of doing it differently. They're doing the more normal sponsor lineup, it seems, but they are getting a lot of good talent. How important is this for Lone Star? Do you think they're a real player in the game because they have these players? Or do you think they were a real player in the game and they needed these players? Like, what do you think? Well, I mean, two two big pickups that they got going into this year was the Nicola Castro and then the Emerson Keith that just got announced. Deion Carey, AJ Carey, you know, that's four great players just in and of itself right there. Chandler Kramer re-signing with them. He made a great push throughout the year at a lot of events. Um 
I think they're doing it the right way in the sense of they made a huge splash when it came to the offseason talk and their name got out there publicity wise. They were out there a ton. Um, so I, th- I think they're doing it the right way. Yeah. Mark marketing drives everything. Uh, if you market your players, people are going to know about you. I mean, it doesn't have to be players. It can be events or other things, but Lone Star is clearly doing it with players, uh, and events actually but uh sponsoring players is how your name gets there it's how you get brand recognition recognition you know what disc you want if emerson keith is throwing a specific disc and you hear about it constantly you're gonna get that disc to try it out Mm -hmm. and and that's the single biggest way i think a brand can really solidify itself and i think we've seen a lot of brands pop up recently who have who have done well like clash mint i mean thought space uh not necessarily a manufacturer and countless others but lone star is really kind of i think poke their head above the rest and they're kind of they're kind of getting close to the major manufacturers as far as what players they're sponsoring and it really kind of sets them on the map and the more you hear lone star lone star lone star lone star the more it's gonna be normal that when you're at your next next disc golf store and you see a lone star you're like lone star disc you're gonna be like yeah let's let's do it or i mean Mm -hmm. The marketing is what does everything and they're doing it they're doing the marketing uh, and they're getting the players and they're getting in people's faces and that's how you grow your business yeah and I, <laughs> I i for what it's worth i've seen this happen a lot over the years but i think them doing this does the make them in the eyes of fans and disc golfers a lot more credible so as you mentioned, I mean, or you didn't mention this, but like if you throw Paul Macbeth over there and he's throwing with them, everybody's going to buy it. Like they will give right. them the chance. So I think it's important that they got some players over there. Nico, you know, interesting as he is, like that will bring players to try it out. But now the Emerson Keith, <clears throat> um, others that they know, they, they're they going to throw, it's good plastic. I think that's what they're going to come down to is say like, let's go, let's try to check them out. We've thrown them before. Me and uh, Ben did yeah, a little Lone Star on only channel. Challenge. So check it out. We reviewed the original, all the discs. The original ones, the OGs before it was cool. Yes, yes, we are we are hit before Nico and all of them were throwing it. Family owned business. Uh, I think you know that has a nice attractive look to it as yep. well. Um Okay. How about real quick, we don't need to do a lot on this, but like because it's relevant players leaving their sponsorships, we see different tiers of players transitioning sponsorships now there's the regular way that i feel like you're seeing this a player will come out and announce let's just go like low tier player like like local pro they're probably just going to come on and be like hey announcement here's my 2023 sponsors like update or whatever but then you start Mm -hmm. getting up to like touring level they put out this post at some point that says like, Hey, I want to say thanks. They mean the world to me. These sponsors that have been with me since day one. Thank you. Adios. Uh, then they say, stay tuned announcement coming. I mean, is this, where else do we see this? Like in the world of sports, like, does this happen? Like yeah. I'm not I as wish, familiar with it. I wish players would be a little bit more honest about them leaving. <laughs> Like I dude, when you read because you read the same post out of almost every single player. Like, let's take Mason Ford, Val Mandahano, and Holland Hanley. Three of DD's great players now leaving the team. All of them says, Oh, and Paige Pierce did this, I think, as well when she left DD. Oh, they're, you know, the greatest family in the world. I can never ask for anything better. They were so great to me. Yada 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 yada. Well then why didn't she and then stay? It's like, okay, so <laughs> why are you leaving? Yeah. Like we wanna like did they not pay you what you think yeah. you deserved? Yeah. Like 
get into a little bit more of being honest like hey we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of different issues or a lot of different scenarios so that's why i'm leaving or you know they treated me great but there's a company out there that wants to treat me better it's kind of stuff like that like every it's very rare that and i don't know if i've ever seen it but it's very rare that a company has or excuse me that a player has ever said anything but you know how great their time was with that company so i'm kind of just like <laughs> this is my take on it give it i, wanna, I think it's you you just don't want to burn bridges it's like business is business I think maybe they might go to this new place and still want to have these connections to potentially hold on to for the future. Because you never know. If you're tarnishing a disc company's name, they're never going to want to work with you ever again. Whatever it is. Maybe it's 10 years down the line and you want to like start your own pro shop. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. But, but you get, but you also, but you got to think at that point that that player probably never wants to work with that company again. Depends. But so it's like a, a lot of these players, yeah, I get it. You can go back like... um Trying to think like Paige with Discraft years and years ago. Yeah. Played for Discraft, left Discraft, went to Prodigy, went to DD, and then came back to Discraft. So like in that scenario, yeah. And she obviously, you know, companies treated her better every single year. Correct. But there's plenty of players out there. Like let's take all the Innova players who are leaving. And these are, you know, low-key, more low-key kind of like a Robert Burridge who got rookie of the year this year. He left Innova. He and is it because... Yeah, he left Innova. He actually went to Lone Star. Stacy Ronsley. For huh? PDGA's rookie of the year? Yeah. Yeah. Or Pro Tour one. I forgot. Was, I think it was yeah. PDGA rookie. No, 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 no. Isaac Robinson was Discount Pro Tour. Uh, uh, Robert Burge was definitely the PDGA rookie. Okay, yeah, cool. he was different, the PDGA different, different rookie that, of the yeah. year. Yeah. One's a total. He was, I have it right here. Is U.S. amateur champion and college disc golf champion proved 2020 that he's ready for professional. He's the rookie of the year. Yes. Cool. Yeah, PDGA. Thanks for the answer. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac Robinson was disc golf pro tour rookie because yeah, yeah, he didn't yeah. play more than three disc golf tour majors in a Anyways, single season. Nick, sorry. Keep going. Yeah. No, you're good. I'm just saying more so like you have a lot of these players who are just like, all right, yeah, leaving. And then, you know, the company was great, but I'm going somewhere else now. And so it's just like, yeah, I get it. Don't burn bridges. I, I understand that completely. And throughout life, you like should not burn bridges. But I think at certain points, I think a lot of these players that are leaving probably unless they're offered a fat amount of money from that company who they left are probably never looking to go back to that company. But so and I, th- I think that happens in other sports too. I think disc golf, you kind of making two points is one point is it's weird how they say this goodbye before they announce the new signing. Um, in other sports, I don't think you really see that if, if a player hits free agency, you they don't say goodbye to their current team until they sign a new contract. But after they sign a new contract, you definitely see players, especially if they've been at a team for multiple years, make some kind of post or statement or write a letter and put it in the newspaper as an ad uh, to thank the team and the fans. Like, I mean, Xander Bogarts literally just did it. He signed an 11 year contract with the San Diego Padres. The Red Sox kind of just, did not really try to re-sign him. I mean, they said they did, but they really didn't. And the Padres gave him a huge offer. He pretty much knew once he hit free agency, he was not coming back to the Red Sox, and someone would give him a huge offer. So he takes this new big o- o- um, offer, 
from the Padres, 11 years. That's pretty much his entire career. He's yeah. not coming back to the Red Sox. I'm almost positive. But he put out a nice message, and it's like, thank you for an incredible ride and what a ride it was. Uh, it was an honor to wear the Red Sox uniform and play in front of the best and most knowledgeable fans in the sport. He goes on and more and more. But like he's saying these incredibly kind words to the team and the fans and pretty much saying he, he said you're the best, but now he's going to play for a different team. So like the the not wanting to burn bridges thing, I think that's pretty common. Uh in other sports but the gap i think is the weird part i do agree there that it's like hold tight but hold tight yeah strap in strap in it's like you're on so many people do that where it's like stay tuned for the announcement and then they announce something and i'm like i totally forgot you actually had anything to announce but if but if simon does this or doesn't do it but if he does this like that would be interesting it'd be like okay he's doing it too my point is like it's in disc golf it seems like that that's a thing. Now, speaking of Simon Lazat and people burning bridges, <laughs> this is my segue. I find it really interesting. Yes, uh, Jordan Castro, Chris Clemens, you're the topic of this segment. To be clear, this is not specifically about you per se, but more the concept of what your names are being attached to. Like, if you actually have information, actually, and I think it would be pretty obvious that you would be in the know for information in the disc golf world if you actually have information and you go out and you're saying xyz players going here or i know this or i know that again i'm not specifically targeting jordan castro or chris clemens here i'm just saying in general in the sport of of people moving and having information you have that conversation behind closed doors you talk with people but to actually put it out there that like i'm putting my name behind the fact that this is going to happen now I haven't seen every post they've done. Does anybody know? Has there been any like really clear like, hey, I'm going to like Simon's going to MVP. Have they like said that? No, it's it's just like <clears throat> fancy. Just like, oh, I know it, but you guys don't know it. So I'm going to act like I well, know it. To So they haven't off. said anything. I, I think the one that you're referencing is is someone guessed and, and they're pretty much like, nope, try again. And then, okay. I think it was Chris Clemens. I don't want to. I don't want to say who right. did it. I don't because I don't know. Just the concept remember. though here. Just the but concept. Somebody was like, "You have the right pieces, just in the wrong order." Mm. Mm. And someone made three guesses for three different right. Um, did you reply manufacturers. to all of them, But the, here, it was something like Page Two, <clears throat> Anthony Brill, and Simon Lazat, and they guessed where they were going. Yes. And he's like, no, nope, not the right places, but right people or something. Yeah. 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 Like you have the right, like it pretty much said, like you had the right people in the right manufacturers to switch up the order was how I took it. Maybe that's not exactly how it was meant to be. So, and I don't again, remember what the guess was anyway. I'm not making this. It sounds like I am, but I'm not making, I'm not trying to make this about Jordan or Chris, but if, and now that now we're going to be like a little bit rhetorical here. Let's say Simon is leaving and they're doing that. What do they have to gain from this? What do they have to do? We were talking about burning bridges. That's why this is coming up in my head. Let's say mm -hmm. it actually is going to go to MVP or pick any other name under the sun that's been listed now at this point, Franklin Dis Discraft, or he doesn't leave. People are saying now this latest video, he's not leaving. But like, what have you done to like gain good reputation with any company, right? Like, let's say MVP was like, hey, tight-lipped on this stuff. And like... Like, yeah. I guess my point is, like, I don't know what the real benefit is there, but it doesn't seem like it's it's awesome. Like, if I know Paul's going somewhere and I'm like, hey, guys, publicly, like, yeah. get the pieces right. Paul's leaving. Like, what does that look like? Right. I mean, anyways. Well, for some people, for some people who are in social, like Jordan Castro is huge on social media and the sense of like he 
replies to a lot of people, especially on Twitter. He's active on Instagram, active on Facebook, all the different platforms. And so for, let's say Jordan goes out and says, yeah, you have all the right pieces, but they're not fitting in the puzzle Mm -hmm. correctly. Now a bunch of people like that tweet. So then now all Mm. of a sudden I see that tweet and I'm like, Ooh, Jordan's potentially the guy that I can see something get leaked or not. I can follow. And so their publicity actually grows a little bit on said platforms because of that to where it's like, I I didn't really leak something, but I kind of hinted at something, but now a bunch of people have followed me because of it. Like there have been times where I tweet something that, you know, could be, you know, leaking a little bit of information for fun, but then all of a sudden I have 15, 20 new followers. And just because I tweeted something about disc golf and now people see that and it just increases like that. I think it's so sorry. Uh, I think, I think it's just, even for me, even though like I'm the lowest level low, but I've heard some chatter and I think it's just like the, the fact of that dopamine rush that you get when you're like, I know something you don't, and I'm going to say it so I can feel good about myself. And I want to be a part of this thing, even though I'm not technically not supposed to be, I want to be a part of it because it's an, it's this thing. Like you said, they want the dopamine hit and they want the attention. So that's what I think. And that's a fair point. I just, if we're being honest, the sport of the world of sports, there are sources. Isn't it Schefter who's like yeah. the greatest known? I don't know of all time, yeah. but like if he uh, or Woj, Schefter, Woj, Woj. But yeah, but like if you tweet trend. something, both of them. If you tweet something, people are like, "This is probably like really likely going to happen." Okay. So like Tom Brady is retiring. Yes. So I get yeah. the concept. Before of Tom sources. Brady knew he was retiring. <laughs> Sorry, not to not to make a joke. Out I of this no part. no no. Yeah. This is fine. This is fine. This is supposed to be lighthearted. I'm not like I'm literally not trying to like land bass anybody. It's more just like the conversation behind the philosophy of leaks and sources. I mean, it's all part of the fun. It is, and we all like it. But like when you think about it, And again, I'll try not to use names here, but people who are actually saying they know something, do you think that they were actually given freedom to say something? Like, no. Or do you think it was like, hey, don't tell anybody? No. (laughs) Like, it's probably that's what it was, right? It's probably indirectly. Yeah. I think there's a lot. Yeah, but even if it was indirectly, but even if it was indirectly, let's say they're fourth, fifth down the line. Do you think the person who told them was like, bro, this is like open information. Tell anybody you want. No, like everybody who tells anybody, and I know this from experience and I apologize, where I'll be like, hey, I know this, but you can't tell anybody. <laughs> and then, and I'm making fun of Ben here. Ben turns and goes, hey guys, I know this, but you can't tell anybody. Like yeah. everybody's just like, you can't tell anybody, but everybody tells everybody. But well, then they tell their close friends exactly. who then go on and yeah. tell their yes. close friends. So who I don't then think go this is a disc golf issue, but like, it's really interesting. Do we like leaks? Do we like sources in disc golf? Part of me says yes. Part of me goes, and it's probably because I'm close to some of these disc golfers in the world. Part of me goes, ah, I don't like the way it feels. So that's just from my perspective. What do you yeah, think, it, Evan? Well, the funny thing is, like you mentioned Schefter, and then there's also Woj and Shams and all these different reporters across sports. Uh, but when they get something and they tweet it, it's not like, oh, they did an investigation and then they found it out first. Maybe, but it, it's most likely a team or a agent texted them and said, hey, tweet this yes 100 yeah. percent. it would right. be something like like anthony barella is leaving uh uh innova it, then it, anthony barella's agent would be like hey 
tweet that I'm talking to Lone Star. Right. Because they want Anthony Barella's stock to go up and they mm-hmm. want uh, uh, Latitude 64, MVP, Discraft, all these companies be like, oh, like we got to get on this. If he's if he's think- if he's talking to Lone Star, we need to talk to him quickly. Uh, and I, so I think that's a great great thing you brought because i think that makes sense and i think it should happen it it hypes things up yeah i don't think that's where we're at yet but maybe it is maybe it's getting permission and they're like hey leak this it's uh it's a smoke it's a smoke screen in some sense it's either where there's smoke there's fire or it's a smoke screen i don't know the term to be both let's do this clear shout out to any professional that hears this or listens to the nick and matt show we will share your news okay we'll do it discreetly we'll say we have sources like and like everyone says i have a source yeah just just write up the tweet i'll copy and paste and hit right hit sense sources say that you know matt graham is being the number one sponsor player by discraft as he asked chat (laughs) chat ai or whatever it's called uh what about brody man he was missing out a little bit and he posts i'm making that up but he posted this instagram post that says Trying out new discs. Now, that's a stock thing as well. Do you need to, a player in his situation, I, I think they can try out whatever disc they want under the sun. They can do it. I think maybe their sponsors say, hey, don't do that next time. But like, they can do whatever they want. They can try any disc they want. They mm-hmm. can try, they can throw discs in my backyard if they want to. I just don't think they want to promote yeah. any other discs. I think that's really where it comes down to. But I don't think Brody's leaving. That's my take. I just think he's None of us he's trying was to. Was there a disc that he or a manufacturer that wasn't in that picture? Like maybe yeah, maybe Clash exactly. wasn't. Um, I don't know that, but maybe he's going to Clash because of that. But you know what? Thing. Do you think? Do you think that there's any? And I'm speaking rhetorically here. But do you think there's any way that like Tiger Woods has ever hit with like every type of club or every type of ball? Sure. He wants to be as experienced. He wants to know. He wants to be able to talk intelligently. So there's, I I don't fault Brody for trying new discs. I think it'd be smart. Hey, this disc flies a lot like this. Yeah. He's smart yeah. with disc golf for sure. He posted. I think, That's like true. you said, it's a stock thing. He wants, I guess, his stock to, to get the buzz and people chatting about get him the buzz. All all publicity is good publicity, and him trying out it isn't bad publicity. It's it's people gonna people are gonna start talking about it, and I think that's just what the move it was, just so people could start talking about it. Brody's a fan and he's having fun with this. He's liking, he's liking the where people are yeah. going. He was happy to get in on it too. He wants people to speculate. I mean, people are speculating. I'm curious where he's going. If he's staying with this craft or he's going somewhere well, else, I'm excited. Look, you know. So if he posts a picture saying, Hey, trying out new discs, you know what disc sells a lot of right after that? Get freaky zones. <laughs> And then what happens in 2023, True. he's like, oh, you know, I went to here or I'm staying with Discraft, but a crap ton of people went out and bought Get Freaky Zones because if that's potentially the last time they're ever going to get a chance to buy a Get Freaky Zone, then now they have more of a collector's item because they'll never make those again. Mm-hmm. So if anything, it was a nice money move. Um, but that's just my take. No, no. And that's good. <clears throat> I think I was just thinking in my head again. I'm like, well, if Simon is leaving as rumors are speculating, uh, should we all just go out and buy Simon Lazat stuff then? And is that, is that part of the plan here? UC's mastermind plan again. Like he's like, I'm the best marketing guy ever. Like Simon's stock is going through the roof. They re-signed with him and they're like, suckers, we just got you. If that you. happens, this whole thing <laughs> How is big would it genius be? How marketing big? It would be genius. If he re-signs with Spania, I think it's like, or even signs somewhere else that's not MVP, I think, this whole thing is a genius marketing move that has been 
extremely successful, like probably one of the most I've successful I've ever seen in disc golf. I mean, getting talked about is successful. I mean, uh, all press yeah. is good press, saying, right? What if they pull so a wool the over their eyes? The fact that we're now talking about Simon, MVP. we're talking about Brody, we're talking about <laughs> Anthony Brella. That's all good things for all of those players. Yeah. Wait, we talk. And we're talking about Brody. That he, we're doing what he wanted us to do. I just realized exactly. that. Yeah, yeah, we fell yeah. right into his trap. So, <laughs> okay, we're gonna move on. But I did do this, and people may not like it. But I just said, hey, AI, write me a story about Simon Lazat leaving Discmania to see what it's like. Here we go. We'll move into our next segment after this. Simon Lazat was one of the most successful and respected professional disc golfers in the world. He had been sponsored by Discmania, a top disc golf manufacturer, for many years and had helped to elevate their brand to new heights. How true this is, guys. This is a good story. But despite his success and his deep love for the sport, Simon had always harbored a nagging sense of restlessness. He yearned for a new challenge and new opportunities to grow as a player. I, I don't, I'm hoping like this is fake or it's real, but thank you, chat AI. <laughs> so when a rival disc golf manufacturer offered Simon an opportunity to join their team, he knew that he had to take it. It was a tough decision as he had always been loyal to Discmania and had many fond memories with the company. This is so crazy. But in the end, Simon knew that it was time for a change. He packed his bags, said goodbye to his friends and teammates at Discmania, and set off on a new adventure. It was a difficult transition, as Simon had to adjust to new team and new way of life. But he was excited for the challenge and determined to make the most of his new opportunity. Last paragraph. And as he looked back on his time at Discmania, Simon knew that he had made the right decision. He had given everything he had to the sport he loved, and he was ready for the next chapter of his journey. Ooh, and it says, and he's going to. <laughs> I imagine yeah, that. Yeah, people, nice. people will be like, my reliable source. And it's really just Chat, Chat GPT. GPT. They, yeah. they, quote, they quote the Nick and Matt show. Simon's like, what are you doing? Bro, it's like just making stuff up. All right. Okay, anyways, moving on. So this has been a good show so far. I do want to quickly um touch on something that will move past it because we've, we've already done a, a full hour or longer on this topic before we closed out the announcement about transgendered athletes competing at the pdga was literally announced like 10 15 minutes right before we were going live so we didn't have a lot of time to unpack it we unpacked it live i think we did an okay job of it if you ever want to talk to us in person mm -hmm. like we're all open to that um but I did want to touch on a few things because there's some stuff going around about, um, and, and I had the same questions, but my understanding now, I've come to a place where I've had conversations with people and I feel like I understand fairly well. The reason why the PDGA is allowing competition uh, for transgendered um, comp competition in the, I'm thinking FPO, it's FA, whatever it is, One, the, the yeah. mixed, okay? They're allowing it in the amateur divisions my understanding is it's because it's it would have been illegal for them to remove it from the amateur divisions. So the PDGA, for legal reasons, didn't do it across the board. Because my initial thought was like, wow, just be consistent. Like, just be consistent. Like, if you're doing it here, do it here. Like, it seems weird that you would do that. You'd say... Oh, it matters at the highest level. Like, we're going to make this decision here. But uh, when you get down here, like, we don't really care. Like, I didn't like that look. But my understanding is that's not how the decision was made. It was made off of 
legally we're allowed to make this decision, but not this one. So that's I, one I think thing. Depend on Go region ahead. too. I, I, I'm not too sure about it, but I don't think it's like a nationwide thing in the U.S. or uh, all of the world. I think it's it's very much like just Sweden. It would have been illegal to to do that, or just you California. Know, California. There's other states, yeah, right? Something yeah. like that. And, right. and it, you can't <laughs> imagine how much worse it would look to uh, make this policy and have the policy for majors and uh, elite events if they wanted to, but then also say, yeah, in any any tier in this state or this country, right. it would just be way more complicated and even more messy. Right. And I do not have any inside information, <clears throat> but I think we would be totally underplaying our just common sense to say that the PDGA didn't have um legal counsel making this decision. I mean, they're a massive organization now. So the my understanding is, again, they did that for legal reasons. Whether we agree or don't agree, whatever. Okay. But there's one other thing I think that's going to be interesting for the PDGA. I don't know if we'll ever hear about it, but we would also be lacking common sense to not think that Natalie Ryan and a, an attorney of some sort is going to file some lawsuit. And the reason why I say that, again, no insider information, but her posts alone saying that, hey, I need the help of raising X amount of dollars so we can do legal things. And that only implies to me absolutely that she's taking the PDGA to some sort of court. Um, again, I'm not legal. Like attorney, I don't know what the criteria would be or the standings or the basis, but like it's coming. I don't know if we'll ever hear about it. The PDGA probably doesn't say. I'm sure they've had other lots of Lots of cases brought against them, whether it was player injury or other discrimination. I'm sure that's the case. But it's something I think that I just wanted to put out there. I, legal reasons one way for the PDJ, but also legal stuff probably coming towards them at some point here. Um, so that's all I wanted to say about that. Let's move over to, and I think Evan's going to be able to help on this. I'm interested in Nick's opinion, of course. But the PDGA Player of the Year Awards, holy smokes, Nick. Uh, the PDGA made an announcement. Here's our player of the year. And they gave Paige Pierce player of the year. They gave Paul Macbeth player of the year. Uh, people are losing their minds over the Paige Pierce uh, post because they said, it's, is, a, is this a joke? Like, is the PDGA a joke? And my take before I hand it over to you guys to unpack it. Player of the year for the PDGA, I understand it seems to imply who's the best player. Like, that's when you hear player of the year. But while the award is the best player, quote, it's due to a point system. So here's my thing. We could probably come up with a system that calls me player of the year as well. And then we might have to get creative. Like, who's talked the most this year about disc golf? Like, you get a lot of points for that. <laughs> okay, Matt, maybe you get some points. Yeah. Like, we could do it. But the point is, if they posted Matt Graham player of the year, people would be like, we've never even heard of him. But they go, oh, well, look at our point system. You got to look. Mm -hmm. The guy who talks about disc golf the most named Matt. If you're named Matt, you also get more points. Like it's a point system. That's how it works out. Maybe the point system needs to be adjusted, but I'm just going to throw it over to you. Uh, both of you, Nick or Evan, I'll let you guys step on each other's toes. I'm done talking about it. Evan. Oh, me. You want to start Evan? Yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, the, the PDGA system, uh, they use a, a just full on accumulation of points. 
Uh, so the more events you play, the more it benefits you essentially. But of course, it comes down to what events you play and how good you play at them. Uh, majors count the most. Um, if you win, it's 100 points. Uh, elites are the next. Uh, so uh, this year, just being Discal Pro Tour Elite events, um, anything with that criteria would be 60 points for a win. And then they also do count eight tiers, but it is uh, pretty discounted as in if you win, it's only 15 points and it only gives points for the top three uh, placements. If you come in fourth or worse, you just get zero points to player of the year. Um, but the the interesting thing and really the reason why Paige Pierce won is because uh, if you play, you know, 20 something events in the year, uh, you're most likely going to make more points than somebody who played five events in a year. Um, you know, if you do some real quick math, if you win all four majors, that's 400 points. Uh, but if you come in third place 10 times at elite events that's also 400 points so you're kind of figuring out how where it equals out um between you know if you're winning four events and playing 10 events you know it, it, there's all sorts of kind of different things you can do but do the um, points need to be updated like what we're basing so our criteria they, off of they were updated in what was it 2021 i mean there's right. been a kind of a messy history with the right. pandemic and then co-winners changing the formula all this stuff where it is right now i don't actually think it's that bad of a system uh, it, that bad. It makes it sound like I'm being sassy. It's not. How yeah, I mean right. it. um, it's not but, that bad of a course, but <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I think the full on accumulation is a little bit tough. But the real reason why Paige Pierce won is because she won two majors, and Paige uh, and Krishna Tatar only won one. And I I do agree that the you know best of it, best ability is availability. Paige Pierce played all four majors. She did well in two of them. Uh, did not overly. Which one was the she won European Open. She okay, Worlds and U.S. Women. She was kind of below the pack, so she did very good at two majors. Won both of them, uh, and then did kind of meh at the other two. Math for pager standards. Uh, Kristen Tatar only played two, and she came in first and came in second. So that right there is a hundred points, and then eighty points. Paige Pierce already beats her in majors from her two wins. Plus, she gets potentially gets points if she finished like ninth or something. She would get thirty points. Um, so. PDGA, I think, should weigh majors higher. I, I think in that sense, it's a good system. Paige Pierce won more points at majors. I think that's totally valid. The question is when coming to Elite Series, where does that fall? Paige Pierce can still have, you know, top 10 finishes, uh, come in podium pretty often. She won when Chris Tatar wasn't here. Like, I think those are all valid. The question is when you go to the whole season, uh, how much do you weigh that? And do you, if someone has, again, like I, I came up with a scenario, if you have 10 um, third place finishes, is that worth four major wins? Uh, and that's, I don't know. People are going to have their own questions. It obviously looks bad this year, I think, with having <laughs> Paige Pierce win over Kristen Tatar. Uh, but it's the PDGA system that rewards playing big PDGA events, having majors be worth more. Lead. I I would prefer you cap it and just say your best ten or so events. Uh, a system with that takes a, a little bit more calculation, but it's not anything the PDJ can't handle. Uh, and if that's a good segue to talk about our player of the year, which you know we're not trying to compete with the PDJ, we're not trying to compete with the Disc Golf Pro Tours Player of the Year. We just wanted to do it off of our own ranking system, uh, which we we talk about field strength all the time. That's how what it's built off of. So it doesn't matter what the tier is, doesn't matter. What anything is, all it is matters is who shows up. Uh, so a quick example is Throw Pink. It was the second best event of this year. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. It was uh, worth 67.58 uh, points. Worlds was 71.26, so it was only a little bit behind Worlds. 
a lot of elite events are in the 40s and 50s. Um, so Katrina Allen won throw pink. That is winning it is worth almost as much as Kristen Tatar did by winning worlds. But by the PGA standard, uh, Kristen Tatar got 100 points for winning worlds. And Katrina Allen, I would assume XA is going to count same for A tier. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But it would, if it does, it would only be 15 points. So mm-hmm. much, much smaller. Uh, we're counting them almost the same with the edge going to Worlds. Uh, and then on top of that, we're only counting the top eight events. And we're doing a much uh, more top-heavy system. Uh, the Going through, let's just go majors because it's easy. If you come in first, it's 100 points. Second is 80. Third is 70. Fourth is 60. Fifth is 50. And then it goes down by five after that. For our system, if you come in first, it's 100 points or 100 points to what the uh, uh, strength of field would be. But then it drops down to 60 and then 38, then 27, then 22, and then increments slowly get smaller down. And that's more similar to what the PGA Tour does. And it really incentivizes winning. If you come in second and third at two different events, it's not worth the same as winning one event. Because if you add 60 and 38 together, I know there's a lot of numbers I ran through and it's gonna be hard to remember, but Second place was 60 points. Third place was 38. You add them together and that's 98. That's less than 100. So winning one event is worth more than coming in second and third at two other events, assuming that the uh, field strength is the same number. Uh, But going to the PDGA points, which is kind of similar to the Disc Golf Pro Tour points, but it's uh, even a little bit less top heavy than the Disc Golf Pro Tour points. If you come in second and third uh, at two majors, that's 150 points, 80 plus 70. So, Which is 50 points more than winning. Right. So, I mean, obviously, Stat Mando would make a case for yours, and that's not what you're here to do, say one or the other is better. But I think it is it good? I don't want to use the word parody. That was way overused. But is it good to have different systems that come out with different things? And do we want the PDGA to continue listing who players of the year are? Or do we just want to let someone like the Disc Golf Pro Tour do that? Because they're hosting all of the events anyways. Like, it seems a little redundant that Disc Golf Pro Tour, official tour of the PDGA. But let's let the PDGA come up with players of the year and the Pro Tour come up with the players of the year. It's Mm -hmm. That's kind of, I said I wouldn't say anymore. Nick, what do you think? No, I mean, that's (laughs) kind of a very good point. Having the two different awards um, with you know, one tournament kind of sanctioning the, or one company sanctioning the events and then the other company running the event. So it's kind of weird how there is two different awards for it. Um, I think for both scenarios, you could argue either or from the players. Um, I know Evan just talked a lot on the FPO side of things. I'll kind of shift it a little bit on the MPO side, just going to the beautiful statmando.com and their head to head matchups. When you click on it, it's actually, you can find the classic matchup of Ricky Wysocki and Paul McBeth, which I think a lot of people, you know, Disc Golf Pro Tour Player of the Year was Ricky Wysocki. Ricky Wysocki, <laughs> PGA Player of the Year, was Paul McBeth. So I think for a lot of people, they were definitely in like, you know, why didn't Ricky win it um, for the PDGA side of things? Evan had mentioned it. Majors are weighed heavily. And this season, Paul had a much better major year than Paul or than Ricky did, winning three out of four of them compared to Ricky. Winning Worlds, second place at European Open fourth place at the United States Disc Golf Championships. And then Ricky beat him out at in Georgia at the Champions Cup. Ricky got second, Paul got ninth. So I think where all those points are really weighed, Paul did excel in those certain areas. And then throughout the year, um, Paul did get one Elite Series win and then a few A-tier wins, which definitely boost up. And had a very consistent year all year besides for realistically... 
two or three tournaments, maybe three or four tournaments when it came to playing bad ones. And Ricky, the same thing, didn't play a lot of bad tournaments. Actually, really only had one bad tournament. The rest of them were, I think, 16th place or better. So they both had incredible years. I could see the argument going both ways on who actually got the PDGA player of the year. It's just kind of tough. It's really hard to argue with what the PDGA says, like, here, here's how we did it. And then it's like, okay, well, then Paul gets to the edge on that. Now, is it the best process in the world? That's what you could really argue with. Um, stoked for Paul to get it, being a friend of mine. Um, you know, but Ricky did have such an incredible year. I think just when it comes to the actual majors and tournaments that would really say matter the most, Paul did edge him out in those regards. Um, Kristen's to me, I, I just she had such an incredible year, never finishing outside of the podium. It was just a really bummer, like really big bummer that she didn't play as many tournaments, and that really did cost her due to travel restrictions. Um you know, when she got sick earlier in the year and then also dealing with an injury. So it's just a bummer not to see Kristen really play that full year. Cause I think had she been at the same amount of tournaments that she went to with Paige, I think Kristen wins in a landslide, but just for this year. Um, so that's really, that's kind of my take on it. All right. No, that's good. Um, yes. Anybody can have their players of the year. I, I like we've seen foundation podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. they've been sending out all they these trophies the, the awards. awards. I think awards, <laughs> Nick awards. and Masho could do it. Stat Mando can do it. Of course. Just like there can be multiple world rankings. I say kind of, unfortunately, there can be multiple, um, yeah, ranking systems. It's, it's okay. And we're just going to have to decide which we, which we value the most, which I think will happen. Uh, but people are upset because the PDJ mm -hmm. is a representing body, our organized organizing body. They feel like it's a, like a, not a sham, but they're like, oh, well, this is the pro tour, the official pro tour of the PDGA said this. So why is it? So it just it's it's frustrating. So why is it people. going this way? Yeah, it's frustrating yeah, people. Okay. Exactly. Um, That's where I think when we're talking about player of the year, we're talking to the most professional, the professional players, you know, <coughs> excuse me. I would even say take out silver events and just yeah. count it towards elite series events and majors. And I think those should be the two that matter when it comes to a player of the year who had the most incredible season. That's who it is. That I mean, would be ideally for me. Yeah. To be fair, uh, silvers are just going to be counted as eight tiers in this system uh, for the PDGA player of the year. So only the top three spots uh, give out points and it's uh, a quarter of what elite uh, events are. So, mm -hmm. I mean, kind of similar to the pro tour point system, at least it was last year. But my, I mean, my question is like, why like Belton, was essentially an elite event as far as the how good the field was um like why aren't we counting that like i think it was an incredibly good field i mean like maybe it's not as the comp like as in everyone's heads the same competition as worlds but like no one's going there to be like yeah i'm gonna try out new discs i'm gonna throw only lefty and i'm gonna yeah. you know try a different putting technique like no you're still you're still trying to win if you're changing all that stuff up you're doing it on your own practice time where you're dropping <laughs> out of the event so uh, if if the players are there, I think it's a good event, and I mean that's why I stand by uh, field strength uh, ranking. But I think it's also great to have multiple ones, and I think you can really see how multiple ones shape out. It's really hard to test these things. You can come up with certain rankings and then see how it looks, and we certainly did that to test out ours and see uh, how it looks. I mean, of course, that brings in subjectivity to get to it, and and we certainly had that to get down to only counting your top eight events. Like that's kind of low when you have. 20 something events a year. Um, yeah. We found that that we want to see who had the best year and who it wasn't, who had the most consistent year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Gannon Burr had a really consistent year. I wouldn't say he had the best year out of any players. I think Ricky mm -hmm. Wysocki and Paul Macbeth and Sano Lazat beat him in that sense. 
Uh, but I think it's great to have multiple different kinds. It, it shows people how the different systems work and, you know, what passed the best eye test or gut test, you know? I agree. Yeah. I'll just say again, it's confusing because the official pro tour of the PDGA and the, and the PDGA come up with different ones, but yeah, but it's, it, I agree with the concept of multiple. Okay. Uh, we're pretty much at the end of our show, but I did want to bring up um, something. The pro tour is hosting the first ever disc golf industry conference. Um, and I think it's in February in Arizona. And I just wanted to say, this sounds kind of interesting. It's pretty, I don't want to say expensive as in like, they shouldn't have set the price point here, but it's not just something you're going to just pull out your wallet and be like, I'm going, I think it's like 600 bucks plus or something, but they're going to have, these are some of the topics that are going to show up at this uh, industry conference, which I think is interesting. Shopify best practices, though. This is for all the companies starting up in disc golf. Uh, Shopify experts are going to be there to talk about e-commerce. Um, elite course design panel. That's going to be Kale, Steve Brenster, John Hauk, and Leonard Muse. Not to leave out John Hauk's wife, D. But like course design, that's pretty cool. Uh, Steve Dodge in entrepreneurship and disc golf. So understanding entrepreneurship. Um, infinite discs and only the best discs national retail. You're going to learn about strategies and trends and how to sell discs. Uh, regional disc golf retail, new equipment in disc golf, everything from Bushnell Grip, Six Zuka. They're going to be talking about all this new equipment. Nonprofits, social media roundtable, how Jomez Pro is going to be a part of that. PDGA, more talking about marketing and disc golf. Uh, the state of disc golf media, the media teams and partners and members are going to be talking about the future of disc golf pro tour media and disc golf pro tour event best practices. So learn more about disc golf pro tour event development. So I think this is really awesome that they're doing this. I think it's going to do nothing but benefit disc golf as a, as a whole. And I'm sure a lot of these conversations were happening and strategizing how to do these meetings one-offs, but to have a collective place and a time where you can come and do this together, the brainstorming, if you will, the discussions, massive. Uh, so I, that would be something I'd love to be a part of. I'm not going to probably make it work this year, but. I do want to shout out real quick to our intern producer, Ben himself. He's got something that he would like to tell everybody about. Now, it's specific to our Northeast. <coughs> if you're in the area. It's going to be relevant to you. So don't tune out, everybody. But if you're in the Northeast area, Ben's got something. Go ahead and give it a go. Yeah, so I'm running the Northeast Disc Golf Expo. It's presented by Maple Hill. So what is an expo, Ben? It's basically a convention. A bunch of vendors from Disc Golf are going to show up. And just display their products um, like Mabel Hill, Disc Golf 978. We have Disc Mania going, Circle One Disc, so Smuggler's Notch, and a bunch of vendors. So you can stock Disc up. Dyers, I saw you post. Disc Dyers today. We just got one. As in like really awesome Disc Dyers. Correct. Yeah. So you can just basically, it's March 18th and 19th in Boxborough, Mass. It's just a place to have an experience to stock up some plastic apparel accessories at special show pricing and to listen to panel members, and it's just going to be a, a great time. It's it's basically a disc golf convention. It's the first one on the East Coast, so I'm pretty excited about it, and, yeah, I'm the one running it. Okay, that's fantastic. It, I think people are going to be able to get probably, I'm assuming, at some level. Nick and like, Matt will be there. Why did I mention yes, you guys? We, we Matt will. will be there. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will. Yeah, and, we'll make it booth. fun. I, I gave them a booth. It will be fun. And I'm Ben's sure there will be some on. sort of exclusives that come from these vendors as well. Correct. Ben's no Joe Schmo with this too. Uh, him and and his dad has been doing it even longer. Professional running, expos, uh, professional expos in the past. Correct. This is now jumping into the disc this golf is the scene fourth and expo doing the f- we've done. 
under our <laughs> business. So this is the first disco nice. expo. So yeah. I, I want to round out the whole. Co- Thanks for sharing that, by the way. Eagles vlogs is in the chat. We always shout out notables, and Eagle, you were one of those. Um, we'll just ask Eagle. Hey, hey, are you the main only man or the main one of two men or like what's happening? He just he, he just said Simon is my teammate in the chat. So, Strong armed too. So with the flexing bingo. Um, Eagle also did say before everyone you know got all up and being like, oh my god, Eagles in the chat. Which Eagle as always, thank you for joining in. We but Eagle, Eagle said, whoever wins the DGPT points should be the player of the year. There you go. So for I think both. he's on board with why. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. So As why, no like, why do we have a PDGA player mm-hmm. of the year? Why do we have a disc golf pro tour player of the year? Right. Evans over there, ready to say something. I, I'm going to open up the can of worms of real, like, I, I think we're going to talk about this in a different episode, but with Paul McBeth going to the Euro tour next year, he's missing. I, I think it's going to be only around three elite events. Uh, but those three events could be the difference between first and second. And I think Paul's made the calculated, I'll say calculated risk uh, that he will still finish in the top eight, assuming that the uh, tour championship will be the same format. I don't think Paul cares if he finishes first in points or eighth in points. He gets the buy to get the best chance at winning the 35,000 or more probably next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he can miss those events and hey, he can finish fourth for all he cares. Uh not that he would care about a player of the year too, but that award I think should be awarded to the best player of the year. If Paul McBeth is head and shoulders, the best player next year, but he just missed enough events. That's the same thing as what happened with Kristen Tatar and Paige Pierce for the PDGA rookie. Or, excuse yeah. me. Whoa. The PDGA player of the year, <laughs> not rookie of the year. Uh, I not can tell rookie you that of much. the year. Nope. Uh, it would be the same situation. Uh, and so yeah. it, that I, not that I'm trying to say Eagle, you're wrong. Eagle is a uh, great point in the disc golf pro tour player of the year is uh heavily weighted by your finishing uh place in the standings uh it also takes in media voting um and finishes at Wait, majors and i have a championship. point i have a point to make it seems like every year the pdga has a different winner than what the dgpt it's announces. it's because of their point system okay it's, it's, it's not only arbitrary points, it's not it's like literally okay, i was yeah, about to say no like, voting. are they trying to nope so okay we're, go- we're going back around the circle but but here's the thing <laughs> again eagle joining joining the chat great I would say this, and this is me speculating a little bit. If one way or the other, if Simon ends up leaving as rumors are swirling around, if he doesn't, this again, greatest marketing as Ben said, greatest of all marketing time. of all time. <clears throat> so either way, but if Simon does leave, this is a I have to believe this is a, would be a major win for Eagle. Am I wrong? Like I don't see any downside of it. They're gonna be friends. Like you, Simon could go stop playing disc golf. They're gonna be friends. So, like, I don't see any downside to the relationship. <laughs> that sounds funny. <laughs> like, their relationship. But I don't yeah. see any downsides if that was to be the case. So, anyways, congrats, Eagle, on... Uh, he didn't announce anything, did he? I was just saying, congrats, Eagle. Simon Not Lee's Eagle better be getting those stacks. That's all I'm saying. You made that point the other day. Yeah. You're like, if Simon does leave... Stacks. Because what did you hear? You you heard something else too that dismayed you. I, I, yeah, I, I just heard, yeah I just heard some allegations. <laughs> I don't want to really talk about. I don't want to talk about. I heard that uh, <laughs> there's big contracts involved, and finally, if I'm Eagle, I'm saying, hey, uh, give me a big contract. There you Thank heard you. it, Eagle, from our intern producer Ben. Um, all right, we made it to the end of the show. <laughs> you're welcome, we Eagle. Did. Yeah, I'm kidding. I know you're probably thinking that. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or have thought about it. Sorry. Yeah. No. Words in your mouth. <laughs> no. Eagle doesn't think about anything. All right, bro. 
uh, keep up with the kendamas. I got to try some of those. Good marketing there, Eagle. I'm like, that looks fun. Um, it's like the a better fidget spinner. Okay, we've made it to the end of the show. <laughs> That's um, awesome, right? Fidget spinner. What a catchphrase. Yeah, I mean, it's way no, better. No, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't that the thing that Gavin Babcock was using yeah, all year? Yeah. Yes. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like you have the ball and you try to... Th- you flip it around, you yep. try to get it onto, it you know, the point, and then you do a bunch of different tricks with it. Yep. Is that the little thing we're talking yeah. about? I'm almost positive. That's what I'm going off of. Yes, that's it what is. I, that's what I'm thinking it is. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard. Like a fidget spinner, you're just there and you're having fun. There's no there's no tricks to it. I'm sure you could, but Kanjama, uh, yeah. what is it? We're not getting Kendama. into fidget spinners. I'm just going to say that yeah, right now. <laughs> that that looks too hard. Like, I, I would have fun for, yeah. like, five minutes be like, yeah, I can catch it. I can't do any cool tricks. This is cool. Bye. But, go. but they make it look easy, which is why it's so stressful, because you're just like, I should be able to do this. But yep. All right. Well, we've made it there. First show of 2023. It is a decent start. I want to reiterate. Like, I'm friends with Simon. No matter which way these rumors end up unfolding, if it's him leaving or it's him not, and it's the greatest marketing thing of all time, which I'm starting to like that idea. That, that would be such a UC thing. Um, excuse me no matter which way it goes you better believe we're trying to line them up for an interview so if the season rolls around we're like two months from now nothing's happened we're gonna get them in we'll be like bro like what was that all about um if something does get announced and we're privy to that information like we're gonna do everything we can to line them up so we would like to think we can get it so stick around stay tuned subscribe find our social media let's try to make something happen with with I don't, we can't Whatever make anything happen. I'm saying yeah. we can't make anything. Like let's yeah. make it happen. Everything everything's on the rumor mills right now, but I'm assuming over the next few weeks we're gonna have a lot to talk about with players assigning new contracts to new companies. Super stoked for it. Check us out every live every Damn. single Monday night on the Nick and Macho YouTube. Um, check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, leave some comments, hang out in the chat with us on Monday nights. Tell us something you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. one. That's right, everybody. Uh, Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Eagles Vlogs, you're awesome. And everybody else out there, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.